Okay, here we go. What we have to say here in this video, this presentation is going to be, it was totally unexpected. It really was. The last video we did, which was a couple of days ago, uh, uh, I mentioned uh, Martin's parents. I didn't expect that. That wasn't premeditated. That, that just came along and suddenly I was finding myself speaking about them. And, and this morning, Martin and I were on the phone and we got somehow onto that subject again. And things started to come that were starting to surprise me, and I'm, I'm sure Martin as well. This turned out to be a huge issue. And when I say huge, you know, a lot of people try to attract attention to their presentations by using superlatives, right? Mm -hmm. You know, this, this is huge news You'll never or whatever believe. else. Yeah, right, you know. And this is the breaking news and whatever else. When I'm talking huge, Try multiplying this by a million. You think that's possible? Because it's huge. It really is huge. And I don't know how many people are going to uh, appreciate the enormity of this, mm -hmm. of this issue. Mm -hmm. But it, it, it dawned on me as we were talking that, that it, was, it was going to be a major matter, historical, spiritual matter, that is going to impact everybody. It's something that the Lord's bringing us through. He's, he's been bringing us through this all of our lives. And suddenly it's coming to the fore. On June the 22nd of this year, I wrote out a whole list of things uh, concerning my, my earthly father. Uh, Martin and I were comparing our, our fathers and our upbringing. Not, not that we're directly comparing them, but we're finding very significant similarities. And uh, I want to say right from the start that we, we have forgiven mm -hmm. our parents. We have um, come through those things, worked through them. And even apologized to our parents. Yes, absolutely. And um, we uh, are not saying these things now to complain about them or to try to dig up dirt or anything like that. But it's like we have to bring these things out. Almost like a confessing of the sins of the fathers. Perhaps that's what it is. It's a mystery. It's still a mystery to me, uh, right. Martin. But yet, but yet not. It, it's like it's 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 big. Uh, there's something else I was going to say here. Don't remember what it is. Yeah, it was on June the June the second that I was writing all these things down, and and where was I coming from? Because I wasn't dwelling on this. I just wasn't dwelling on this, but it was coming out. It was all coming out, and 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 then here all of this is coming out concerning your parents, mm -hmm. and it's like it all has to be brought out into the open, right? Publicly, right? Personally, amen. Yeah, and whether it's for healing for us, which it may be. Who, who can say? The Lord knows. We don't know what healings we need, oftentimes, most times. I know that there are so many healings I've received spiritually, I had no idea I had a need for them. 
and it'll be the same with you or anybody else. Um, or whether it's for, for, for sounding the trumpet uh, in the world for, for, this, for this happening. And it's like um, exposing or, or uh, um, announcing a, a, a huge battle in the heavens between right. good and evil, the forces of good and evil, flesh of and darkness spirit. and light. Yes, flesh and spirit. And, 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 I, and, and all the pieces started to fall together from, from years ago to the present. Um, things are fitting, like picture puzzle pieces fitting, fitting in, connecting. And uh, it's, it's, it's what we want to discuss tonight. So, obviously this is totally un, unplanned, unscheduled, unorchestrated. Yeah, I'm not even, I wouldn't even know where to start, except yeah. that my parents are just wicked people. Just evil, selfish mean people and yeah <laughs> you don't know where to start it was a it was such a horrible horrible upbringing so dark so evil and you and you're raised in it and you don't know you're being raised in it and it, and it wasn't even so much the evil that you knew was evil. Right. It was just this horrible rulership of selfishness and and darkness. Mm -hmm. And then all in the name of the Lord. You know, my father, a, a pastor, a man of God, and my, my mother feigning her righteousness. And And it's like, she's the... I see my mother as the, the whore of Babylon in the flesh. She's totally self-righteous, totally um, manipulative, uh, controlling, um, scoffing, mocking. There was nothing that I could ever say to either one of my parents to ever get through to them on anything. And, uh, and they'll see this. And, you know, the, the, one of the latest communications was about, uh, well, it was about vaccines. They notified me that they were vaccinated, but made it very clear that they didn't, they didn't want me to talk to me, talk to them about it. You know, don't, don't talk to us about, and I'm thinking, I'm just going to stop right there at don't talk to us. Because there's nothing that I could ever say to them. In, was, in your entire lifetime. In my entire lifetime. There was nothing I could ever say to my parents that got through to them. There was nothing I could ever say to reason with them. They were totally impregnable to the truth about anything. Uh, I, I, I remember one time uh, speaking with my, my father, who was a pastor, and my Uncle George, also a pastor. And, and I really liked music, and I, I felt strongly, and you know maybe I was just a kid, but I think I still feel strongly about it that uh, 
if an artist wrote an album, that they had ownership of that, and it was their business to sell it, and that if you wanted to listen to their music, you paid the price. Not only was that the stated intention of them making the music and making the album and putting it in a store to buy, it was also by law against our governmental law. So it was against basic moral law and also the law of the land. Right, wise. Not stealing music. Not just going on the internet and pirating music instead mm -hmm. of going out and buying the album. Mm -hmm. You know, they have iTunes. That way the artist gets money. But particularly at that point, when I was a teenager, a lot of people would just pirate music. Nobody even, there was no, nothing to stop you. And so many people were just pirating music. And I just confronted my, my uncle and my dad about it. And I said, you know, you're, you're pirating all this music. You know, and you just brush it off. But like, doesn't it matter? And both of them just held me in, I see it now. They held me in total contempt. They had no use for anything. I, was, I wasn't even being belligerent about it. It was like I was talking now. I was trying to reason with them. And, and you're still in this position. Like on one hand, I was just an independent teenager. I was thinking for myself now. But you still had them as kind of, what, parents or uncles in your life. So you're, you don't even know what to do with it because you're kind of hoping that, that they would prove themselves to be the reasonable people that you believed they were. But then you have these moments where you're just like, well, what's happening? Like you're being crushed because you're trying to say something true. And they're not even coming up with an adequate defense. Like they would, they would quote a few things. Well, you know, back in the old days, the government would just, or the, the king would commission somebody and they wouldn't get royalties for every time somebody looked at their painting. I'm thinking like, well, <laughs> like it's just so, it was just such stupidity coming out of their mouth. Mm -hmm. And it was so kind of jading and disillusioning to see these people that were supposed to be men of God, no less, coming up with these ridiculous excuses for breaking the law of God. Just totally justifying themselves. As, as uh, spiritual leaders. As spiritual leaders. And, and I was just sitting there like, and, and they were just, and it wasn't just that they were making a few excuses and well, you know, it's okay, you know, we're doing the right thing here, you don't worry about it, son. It was like they were just laughing at me. Both of them, two brothers yeah. just sitting yeah. there laughing at yeah. me. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm just remembering little tidbits with, with my father. I remember my father laughing on several occasions over something that, that was not good. And they were just, they would just laugh. He would just laugh about it. It didn't mean anything to him. Right. Well, I remember uh, a situation with my mother. Uh, my, my brother Chris is doing dishes with me and he's telling me how, uh, you know, he got really drunk one night and came home, but he had to sneak into the house so he didn't get caught. And he snuck right past mom and she was just like on the couch and she didn't even notice. Right. So. Then my mom is in the next room and, well, she had noticed and she heard our conversation. And she says, I noticed, you know, that was such and such a night, you came in, you know. And she thought, and she thought it was kind of funny because she had, she had noticed and Chris had been had. But then I was thinking like, well, your son's coming home drunk and you weren't going to say anything or do anything until he kind of accused you of being daft in his little story. Then you rise up to defend yourself. Oh, no, I noticed all right. But I'm thinking, well, if you noticed, then why didn't you do something? And, and Chris could do no wrong. 
Here's, a, here's another example of exactly the same thing on my father's side. Um, Chris, your older brother. My older brother, Chris. Yeah. By how many years? Five years exactly. Okay. And uh, uh, when I was when I was a boy, we got to we liked to play with fire. And so I had, I was going to make some little concoction, and and I mean it was damned foolishness, but. I wasn't about to go burn the neighborhood down. I was trying to experiment with some things. And, uh, and my brother Chris came home and took the experiment and poured it all over the back lawn and lit it on fire for no explainable reason that I can understand besides possession of some kind. Just put a big X in the back lawn. And I was, I was trying to tell him, like, Chris, that's crazy. You'll kill the lawn. You know, we'll get caught. And then he goes to write his name in the lawn. And well, now the fire jumped up to the pot bottle. And so he dropped the pot bottle on the ground. And then he tried to put it out by stepping on it. And it exploded and flamethrowed my brother. And he was running around the yard screaming on fire, you know, and until finally I grabbed a piece of cardboard and put it out. And my, my brother Chris says, you know, oh, no, don't, don't call the hospital. Uh, don't call the cops. Don't call the cops. Reuben, you're going to have to wear pants for like two weeks. And I was like, put him in a bathtub full of ice. I'm calling 911. Chris didn't want to take the hit for it, and I knew that he. <laughs> we had to. It was just so ridiculous. We had to call nine one one. A huge portion of his body was burned, mm. and uh, so then you know my brother was like, "Well, look, I don't, I don't want to get in trouble for this, you know," and so when the cops show up, you know, tell them it was your fault. Tell them it was just your fault, and and that I came just on time to save you, to save you know Reuben, and so you know I was. I agreed. I thought, well, no sense more than one person getting in trouble. I'll just take the blame for it. And so I did. Um, I mean, it was kind of coercion, but I was sort of willing. And I think I idolized him, so I was willing to do anything for my brother. <laughs> and uh, so it serves me right. And so that was the story. And my brother Chris, you know, it was the day before. My, brother, my other brother's in the hospital in Calgary with cancer. And my brother Chris is donating his stem cells. And so within 24 or 48 hours or something. He had donated, <coughs> donated stem cells to save one brother and, uh, and then put out the fire on his other brother and he was in the news, saved two brothers within, you know, a day or just total BS story. And he, he loved it and my dad told everybody what a hero his son Chris was and he loved that. And, you know, it, it was kind of annoying but I put up with it. And in fact, I never did say anything. Until one day my, my father gets up at my brother's wedding and just about starts to tell the story at my brother Reuben's wedding, of, of course, of how great Chris was, because Chris was great. And uh, This was at Reuben's wedding. My brother Reuben's wedding. And so my father's about to, to tell this story, and oh, Chris this, and, and Martin had lit his brother, and then, <laughs> of course, Jeannie, uh, my wife, it gives my brother Chris like the laser beam eyeballs until my brother Chris knows that and I think Jeannie even said if you don't tell him I will and and so <laughs> good job Jeannie so um, so then my brother Chris stands up and confesses the whole thing and it was really me and blah 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 and Martin you know it wasn't he didn't even do it and so he takes the hit and my dad said something I'll never forget. Because he was just about to tell the story. 
about how great Chris was, saving two brothers. And, and I just think Ruben, you know, he was getting emotional. If, if Chris hadn't have saved you and all this bullshit, right? And then Chris tells the story. And then right in front of everybody at the wedding, he says, yeah, that story always did sound a little fishy to me. And I thought, how evil. How evil is that? That you had your suspicion all along that Chris was involved and Chris was responsible. If he had it or was he just uh, trying to save face and... Well, either or. Mm -hmm. Sure, Either of or. Course. Either or. In front of a group of people, he couldn't just be honest. He yeah. couldn't tell the truth. Right. right. He couldn't tell the truth. Yeah. And, I, and I think he did know. I don't think he was that daft. Just like my mother knew that he was getting drunk. It didn't matter. Mm -hmm. they, had their, they had their favor in their department. And that's what I was going to say. My, my parents, they, they had their favor where it served them, but they lacked all natural affection. They were, they were not... I, I wondered my whole childhood why I could... I wanted to be somewhere else all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, on one <laughs> hand, you don't like being farmed out as a kid. You were farmed out as a kid. But on the other hand, it was like if anybody else could be my parent for the week, I was happier. I remember, I'll, I'll never forget um, being at Mrs. Pohl's house. I got, my, my parents often went, yeah, I mean, I, it seems so normal as a kid, but they were often gone. They were often vacationing in BC. They'd get plane tickets and go visit their family out there. And then we'd have some people in the church babysit us or we'd get farmed out to people and and one time I got sick at this woman's house, and, and, and I think she was a nurse, and she was just such a sweet lady. And I was sick, and she was caring for me, and, and asking me if I was okay, and bringing me things I'd throw up. She'd take my puke bowl away. And none of that was there growing up. Like, it was such a strange, peculiar thing if anybody showed any kind of affection, like actual, not just niceties. My mom will bombard me with niceties. And oh, hugs and kisses, oh, it'd be so nice, all this virtue signaling. But it was never there. <laughs> and and uh, they were just the epitome of, of selfishness. They lived in their own world while presuming to be leaders in a church. Yeah. You know, che cheaping out. And I don't even know if <laughs> how necessary the details are, but really. I, I think, you know what, Martin? Fair I enough. Think the, I think the details are necessary. Fair enough. I think they hit home. So, you know, my, my father yeah. loves camping. To this day, we can't go very long without him pulling out his phone and trying to make me care about camping. Maybe that just sounds bitter, but like, I never liked camping. I don't know why he doesn't know that I never got into camping. And, you know, and maybe it was because of my experiences camping. But one, one Christmas, um, I think my father decides that since he likes camping so much and he'd really like to fit camping into the budget that instead of buying us Christmas presents he would uh, and, yeah, and you wonder why I hate Christmas now <laughs> um, that, he, he would, that he would just buy us all camping paraphernalia for Christmas regardless of whether we cared about camping or were yeah interested in it all so you know there were stocking stuffers like a little dustpan for sweeping out a tent and uh and i got one of my gifts was aluminum kind of cheap canadian tire aluminum pots and pans lightweight cookware and a canteen now you can imagine that that's a little disappointing as a child because even <laughs> even if you like camping that's another six months away 
It's like forever. It's like you're mocking your children. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, but, but that wasn't the way it was. Say, you know, my mom bought him a gold ring with onyx inlaid into it. You know, nice, nice big gold ring for Christmas. You know, what, like, what was it all about? Why were there, like, why were my parents buying each other gold jewelry for Christmas and then just being cheap with their kids? Mm-hmm. It was like there was no connection. They didn't love us. And, and I think maybe they loved some, but it wasn't real love anyway. It was just, none of it was love. It was just their ideas and their fancies and their pleasures the whole way through. Is it possible that we're knowing the love of God, knowing uh, uh, true love in Christ, that we're contrasting the love we know and that maybe we shouldn't be expecting anything from, from parents? In, but, in, yeah, those, in, I, in that old uh, unregenerate you. realm? I've, I've made so many excuses for them. Mm-hmm. I've made so many excuses for them, but I could feel, you know, the, the whole unregenerate world. They don't have the Lord, but when I went there, you could, you could feel that they cared about their children. Even, even just coming, uh, you know, I left home at, at uh, I don't know if I was 18 or 19. If I was 19, it was barely. And, um, but when I met Jeannie's parents, it was like, like, they liked me more the first day they met me. They cared for me more the first day they met me than I ever experienced from my parents. Ever. They showed more generosity and concern and, and care than, I, you know, and it was like that every other house I went to. My friends' houses. It was like, you know, they were, they kind of were a little worried about their children. They were concerned about where they were. They asked them if they were hungry, like all that stuff. You were going to be uh, sharing a scripture here in right. Timothy, and, and there it talks about natural affection. Is that right? In that passage? Is that the passage yes. you're going to yes. share? So your parents didn't have that natural affection. Yes. They just didn't have it. Like you see, I see the animals, the cows, and they... And they, 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 they have it. Yeah, and they, they lick their calves, and they moo, and yeah. they're a little bit too far away, yeah. and they're worried yeah. about them, and they dote on them. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a healthy trait built into all creation. It's a sign of life. Yeah. If your cows don't do it, you have a problem. Yeah. And if moms don't do that for their children, you have a problem. You have a mental disorder. You have a spiritual disorder. You're yeah. broken. Yeah. And, and it, well, all, all creatures beget, even the plant world. Yes. Right? And they look after. Even trees look after their young. Sure. They've proven it. They do. They do. And my mother did not look after her young. Yeah. She just didn't. And, and I know it'll sound so horrible, and, and people will be Let so it offended. And we don't have to be apologetic. Right. I, I was going to say something about that. I was thinking, all right, these people are going to think we're, we're dishonoring yeah. mother and father, and we're, we're just sure. speaking bad and, and behind their backs and all that. Of course, this isn't behind your back now, is it, really? Right, no. It's not behind anybody's back. That's the but, problem. Yeah, yeah. But we, uh, we want to bring all this out. And... Uh, uh, people are wondering right now, probably, where, where we're headed with this. Right. Right? And uh, what is this huge thing? Hang in there. You'll find out. Mm-hmm. Um, but the passage here, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, 
lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power of thereof. From such, turn away. Yeah. These, these scriptures were certainly uh, fitting for all kinds of things that you were telling me, Martin. And yeah. I, I think you need to come up with those details, whether, whether you can do that spontaneously or, or whatever. It's oh, yeah. There's a, there's a winner. I was about 10 years old. And uh, maybe, well, it couldn't have been, it doesn't matter, 10, somewhere between 10 and 13. But I, I've got a sensitive nose, and I hated going in the fridge, and, and I hated my mother's dirty sink rags, and I hated the smells in the fridge. I just couldn't stand them. And so I'd open the fridge, and I was like, okay, that's it. I'm cleaning this place up. So, you know, I hauled everything out of the fridge and put it all on the counter and went through all the jars and threw out the moldy crap and cleaned this, that, and the other up. And, uh, and, and just the fridge was dirty, so I cleaned it. Put it all back, and I'm organizing all the old salad dressings, and it's like, who knows how old, and 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 there it was, a two-liter pot bottle of Sprite. Now, my mother had her pleasures. Um, she would she would have her 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 chips and her tostitos and her and her beverages, and they were hers, and you dare not touch them. They were not for the children. There was it was just like that was her world and her pleasures, and she felt like she deserved them. And that was fine and she had no problem not sharing them or anything and so we understood that fine I wasn't about to go stomping all over that but there was a two-liter pop bottle and just the little four holes on the bottom they had barely a barely an inch in there not even half an inch <laughs> and I'm trying to get the fridge cleaned up and there's this great big pop bottle with nothing in it and so I just and it was flat it was nothing even that pleasurable I just dumped it down the hatch put it aside and, and my mother lost it on me. Like it was like, and I was like, she's like, well, who took my Sprite? And I was like, well, there was just a tiny bit left. It doesn't matter, you had no business drinking my Sprite. You didn't, that, you knew that was my Sprite. And I was just like, like I never even, if, if anything, I thought she may have felt bad I had to clean her fridge or something. Like I never would have dreamed that she would be upset over a couple milliliters of flat Sprite. But it was, it was that kind of stuff. It was just, and I, and I look back, because you're a kid and you can't really make sense of what's going on. But I'm imagining now, I have children. My parents always said, well, you know, when, when you grow up, you'll understand what it's like to be a parent. It's easy to find fault when you're a kid. Now that I'm a parent, it's all becoming apparent. <laughs> I'm looking back and I'm thinking of my kid when I wasn't there, went through the whole fridge and cleaned everything. At age 10? I wouldn't even so. have noticed the Sprite. Can you imagine how many kids would go into a fridge and clean it out completely because it was so filthy? They were driven to clean it out because it was so filthy? Made filthy by the mother? Well, she was responsible for sure, it anyway. of course. And, and, you know, it was just, it just, I guess I was critical or high standard, but it just wasn't good enough. It was vexing yeah. to me. Yeah. And she would get me to clean other things. You know, I cleaned the bathrooms from a very young age, which I'm, I'm glad that I did that, because then I knew how to do it. But, but there was always just this, this huge selfishness. I remember my, my dad one time got a tax return. 
And he told me and Reuben, oh yeah, I, got, I didn't expect this. And it was some, I don't know, I think it was like $1,500 or $2,000 tax return or whatever it was. And so he, we're going to get mom something nice. So we head to the mall and we're in the jewelry department. And my dad is buying these two stupid gold bangles for my mom. Just these, you know the bracelets that are like too loose for some reason? They just bangle around. <laughs> and, they're, and they're not that big. Because, of course, it's gold. You're not going to get that much. So they kind of look cheap and bendable to me from what I could see. But they were like, it was like, you know, almost $1,000 or more for these gold bangles for my mom. And I was just like, it's so ridiculous. They, they, and they wouldn't, they didn't buy us any clothes. Like, I, I don't think I remember my parents buying me any clothes past maybe grade eight. So, I, you know, you'd save up a little bit of money and you'd try to buy a shirt or something. Unless it was like... You know, if it was your birthday or something, then maybe you could get a clothing item out of that. You know, that was a free one. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at all my other friends, and their parents are providing for them. Uh, their parents made them lunches. My mother never made our lunches. Mm -hmm. She homeschooled us. She didn't make us breakfast. Mm -hmm. Rarely made us lunch. We had, like, Mr. Noodles for lunch, and we fried our own eggs for breakfast. And my mom came out of bed at, like, 11 o'clock in the afternoon, ate a banana. And that was it. And then, you know, she would make dinner, and most of the time she wouldn't even eat that food with us. And it was, it was like, that was it. And then I look back and I'm like, I wonder how I ended up, like, so thin and not really liking food that much. And I look back, my mother just failed to nourish me. I was skinny. They failed to do anything about it. They didn't, they didn't recommend that I eat anything. They just left me there to be malnourished for like a couple decades until it was sort of brought to my attention. You don't teach that to your children. They don't have it. They just suffer. You just end up with all these migraines and headaches and misery because your mother won't even take care of you. Mm. They don't think to. She was just doing her own thing. Um, you know, it sounds like a big list of grievances, but it's like, it's, it's the proof that was, that was there. Uh, my brother had cancer, and that was when we were homeschooling. My brother Reuben was pretty, he was quite a bit more emotional than I was. And, um, and, and he kind of just liked to read his book, and if you left him alone, he kind of just kept doing that. And so I would try to make sure he, he, at least I felt responsible, that's how I experienced it anyway. So I got him, and we would go through the history homework. I was like, Reuben, we got to do our we got to go through our Canadian history and do this and that in our science. And so we were constantly getting hauled back and forth to the hospital because, you know, we were homeschooled. So where were you going to be if your parents were at the hospital? Age. Age? Oh, I think it was about 9 or 10. What's and, and Reuben was a year and a half older than me, so 10 or 11 or so. And Julian, I think, was about 13. And, uh... You know, so we at least I wanted to make sure we got through the schoolwork, read the material, asked each other the questions, had the answers, like, so we knew that information at one point in our lives and went through it all. And months passed. She never checked on anything. Okay, so fine, your kid has cancer, which apparently they thought only happened to them and not the other brothers. Like, they, they just lived in their own world. They were, they were having a hard time. Their kid had cancer. And so they just totally neglected the other children who didn't have cancer completely. Like, you know. And, you know, I always just thought, well, it must have been really hard to have a kid with cancer. Right. But it's not that hard to go down to your, your, your kid's bedroom and say goodnight. It just isn't that hard. It doesn't take you more than five minutes. And they just wouldn't do it. 
And so Reuben would be crying in his bed and, and, uh, and then my mother found out that we didn't actually write out the answers. We weren't doing our schoolwork like she told us to. And so she just lost it on us and, and we were this and we were that and we were so irresponsible. And I'm thinking like, irresponsible? You've got two kids who are supposed to be in school and you're not doing anything. No supervision, no oversight, nothing. I, I still, I think I still had my, I ended up getting some of the schoolwork I did as a kid. I think I still have the proof that I did all kinds of, of, of science reports and things on animals and stuff that she never marked or even looked at. You didn't even get to, to see if you did well. Didn't, it was like there was no point. It was a totally lost experience. By the time, uh, by the time we all went back to school again, you know, when we went to Coaldale, after living in Ottawa, then there was a Christian school that was part of the church, so that was righteous enough that we could go to it. And we went there, and, and Julian really suffered. Uh, Chris was back a grade, I think. But I think that was before when he was in Ontario. But they, he went to high school and basically failed a grade. Because my mother's idea of homeschooling was having the children at home while she stayed in bed or in her room writing letters or watching her movies or whatever it is she did in her room for most of her life. And it was just this totally selfish existence. My dad would just get upset if you went into the office. There was no connection, there was no nothing. And we were all supposed to just hold on to the misery and emptiness in our home until it was time to go camping. And then we would go camping and my dad would sit in his chair and read in the sun. And that was it. It was like this totally bleak, senseless existence filled with contradiction and selfishness. And if you stood for anything, if you tried, if I would try to say my brother Reuben, and my brother Reuben was such an unreasonable person. And I can say that to you, Reuben. You are such an unreasonable person. I need you to know that. An unreasonable person. And, and our parents couldn't reason with him. He would just sit there totally demon-possessed, refusing to do what he was told. And we'd be sitting there at the lunch table for hours and hours. And he wouldn't do as he was told. And I don't know why my mother thought it was fitting to keep all of the rest of us at the table until he obeyed. Like somehow he would obey if he knew that he was going to upset all of us. And so we all just had to sit there. And if any of us rolled our eyes or showed any signs of impatience, my mother would be angry with us. And Reuben would say, it's not fair, everybody's against me. And he'd sit there and scream and cry and whine. And we'd all be like, Reuben, shut up. And he just would not submit at any point. Just an evil, wicked child. He was so, so difficult. And, uh, and there was never any holding into account. There was never any justice. There was never any treating him according to his transgression. It was just we all got lumped. I especially got lumped in with him. And, and whenever I had objections, I remember my father telling me, he says, well, you know, son, you're going to have to know something about life. Life's not fair. And I thought, what a, what a hideous thing to say to your child. And, and how perfectly evil. What a satanic thing to say to your child. Life is fair. Obviously, you weren't thinking that then. Right. But you'll look back. Yes. Life is fair. Mm-hmm. It's perfectly fair. Yes, it is. Because it's ruled by a perfectly just Lord. You, you reap what you sow. Right. All the principles are there. You know, I can understand why you would tell Either that or Jesus Christ is not Lord. Right. It's just a title. Right. But he's more than just a title. 
Right. He has more than just a title. Yes. Life. It's he life. is life. He's I life. am the way, the truth, and the life. And they're yeah. saying, hey, yeah. life is not fair. This is pastor. Oh, yeah. Van just so you know, Jesus Christ isn't fair. Yeah. Yeah. Because think about how bizarre that is. It's one thing to tell your child, yeah. look, I just want to let you know when you go into the world, you know, we try to do things fair at home. When you go in the world, don't expect everybody to be fair with you. Don't be naive, okay? People can be unfair with wow. you. You had your, your, your... Well, I already knew not to expect anything from the world. I didn't even get it from my family. Yeah. Well, you got more from the world in terms of no <laughs> justice kidding. and... Absolutely. And reward. Than Absolutely. You know, and you know, Jeannie said it to, to me today. She said, that's probably why you never really had a problem getting along with people. <laughs> And it's true. Like, I mean, I could raise a contingency. You just died and went to heaven when you left home. That's right. I could get along with everybody. <laughs> I could not get along with my family. And I, and, and I, you know, I knew that I was being a stick in the mud. Mm -hmm. But I just wasn't willing to lay down and die all the time. Well, from the things that you were telling me, uh, Martin, and, 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 and it wasn't in terms of boasting or anything, but you were, you were a prick in their conscience. Right. You were always uh, a thorn in their side. Right. And, 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 you know, my mother, like, I remember... That's a that's pretty tall order for the child to have to raise the parents. Right. Well, you know, so then... So then... A rebellious parents that won't listen, of course. Right. Um, and, and, you know, my mother said the same thing when, when, when Jeannie said to her, you know what the problem is? You're, you're unequal. You're, you're basically, your ways are unequal. You, you treat Chris and Charlene's kids way differently than you treat us. You treat them way differently than you treat us. And she said, well, sweetie, life's not fair. Both of them said it. My father to me, my mother to her. What the hell is that all about? Life's not fair. Not, not, no answering for the accusation. No, no, nothing. It's just like... I don't owe it to you to be just. I'll do as I please and you'll take it because I'm God. Life's not fair because they know they're wrong. Otherwise, you would try to explain yourself. But you just say, life's not fair. And I would tell my father, and that's where he would say to me, life's not fair. I would be like, look, mom says this, she says this, and she assumes this, and then she gets mad at us and she's punishing us for that. And it doesn't make any sense. And it was like, well, you're not here to question your mother. Life's not fair. And I was just like, it's your job to listen to your mom even when she's wrong. And I'm like, I get the principle. It's not our place as children to sit there and argue with every little thing and, and be the judge of the, you know, all matters. But I was pointing out legitimate injustice. You know, I would point out, you know, just, just like things that matter when you're a child. Obviously, it seems silly now. But I would point out, I would be like, look, you said that we, we, we could have our bedtimes extended a long time ago. But because Reuben won't behave, you're lumping me in with it. Because he's going to throw a fit if you let his younger brother go to bed later than him. Yeah, well, you know, son, you're just going to have to understand that life's not fair. And I thought, well, then damn it, why don't you make it fair? <laughs> if it's not fair, make it fair. Isn't that your job in this house? To play God and make it fair? Enforce justice? Be sovereign? And instead you're just like, well, I don't know, I'm not in control of this, I guess. <laughs> you, know, you get what you get. Hmm. And uh, you talked about paying rent. Oh yeah. So so 
you know, and, and that was that was another that was another fun one. So when I was 17 years old, my dad was a pastor, so he counted on the church paying his way. But then he ran into some division with Coldale there, and yeah, there's plenty of sides to that story I've learned. But all the same, he was without a house. We can maybe get there later, without a house, and so now. Uh, they need to rent a place until they can find a way to get a mortgage. And of course, we weren't just going to rent something that wasn't classy enough for my mother. So we ended up renting this super expensive condo on the 19th floor of Burlington Towers in, in, in Burlington there. And, um, and we had way too many people in the house, but that's besides the point. But my parents, they kind of need some money because it's, it was like almost, I don't know, it doesn't matter. It was expensive. And so it was like we all had to pay rent. So that was fun. I was 17 years old, and I'm, I'm going to university. And, you know, my dad, he would give the rent back for the months he went to university. But you're, you're still 17 years old, and if you don't go to university, like if you just want to save up for a car, it's not going to happen because you're paying $300 a month rent. And I never complained. I thought, okay, well, maybe my parents need help. That's just part of our duty as children. Fine. I never made an issue of it. I don't even remember really having an issue with it. It was just the way my life had gone, and I accepted it. Um, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't about, like, it, it wasn't like we all had to start paying rent. When you're 18, if you want to stay at home or you're 19, you've got to start paying rent. I get that. You can't just have kids freeloading off of you. They've got to grow up. But I was 17 years old. And um, and my other brothers, when they were that age, saved up and bought vehicles. They just they worked and they bought cars. So now I'm trying to uh, pay for my education. And um, in any case, then at at one I I dropped out of school, and I had to to pay rent now. So now I'm working and I'm paying rent to my dad. And, and we're getting to the, the end of me living at home because I knew I had to leave home. I was just suffocating in that home. It was just pure death all around me. I, I hated being at home with... <laughs> I, can, I can hardly explain how much I hated being at home, but I hated being at home. And, uh, and so it was time to leave, and, and I asked my father if I could not pay the last month rent because I was only in the house for like eight days. Eight days of that month. Eight, or, you know, it was eleven days because it was up to my mother's birthday, so it was yeah. up to November eleventh. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like I'm going up to my landlord or something at the age of nineteen in my own parents' house. Like, do you mind if I don't pay rent this month because I'm hardly even here? And my dad starts getting very angry with me. He's like, well, you know, you, you, and he was probably just upset that I was leaving home and he didn't agree with it. But he, 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 uh, is there, there's no problem, we're good. Um, he gets really upset with me and he says, that $300, that $300 is a pittance to keep you off the street. Is that a pittance to keep me off the street? What the hell is this? Like, it didn't make any sense to me. And, and I said one of the, the strangest things that I ever thought I would have to say to my parents. And <coughs> I remember what it was. Yeah. 
It was like, if you didn't want a kid, you shouldn't have had me. Like, why would you? You brought me into the world. Take care of me, for crying out loud. Have some generosity. And they were just so... You know, and it, it didn't seem like that they were that cheap and selfish with my other brothers. Maybe because you were taking it more personally, or what? Well, or was it an, an I, objective thing? I, I, they... Well, I, I, my brother Chris would brag sometimes about how my mom, you know, came when, when they had a baby and, and she would go to Costco and fill up the freezers full of food and make all these meals and stick them in the freezer. I mean, we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of dollars. No problem, filling up freezers is expensive. And, and where was that generosity when I didn't want to pay for 11 days of rent? And, and, you know, it was like I had to ask to not pay the whole month. Like I had some sort of contract with a landlord. It was bizarre. And so and I was like, a pit, like, what are you talking about here? Why are you being... So then he blows up, pulls out his checkbook in a, in a rage. And I mean that. In a fit of blind, stupid rage. Pulls out his checkbook, starts writing a check for $10,000. You want my money? You want money? And he's writing this check and he throws it down on the table. And my mom hears the screaming and she comes into the room. And, uh, and, and you know, John, John. And I'm just sitting here. I'm like, Dad, like, you can just keep the money, okay? And I ripped up the check and threw it back on the table. And I'm thinking, how is it that I'm, I'm 19 years old and I'm the grown-up in the room? And then my mom's coming in the room trying to get him to calm down. And Bonnie just get out and takes her and throws her out the office door. And she's just supposed to go flying down the stairs. Just an unreasonable rage. Uh, you know, he had he'd done it even in our childhood. He'd get angry and, he, and he'd just wind up and kick one of our, our, our school chairs. Kick it so hard that he broke his foot and had to limp up the aisle going to church. The chair was stuck into the drywall on the other side of the room. Just a wild man. Mm -hmm. Totally uncontrolled. Mm -hmm. and, and my mother would instigate him with her, her selfishness. We would be on vacations and they'd be screaming at each other. And my, my dad's getting out of the car. He's not going with us on the rest of this vacation. And so my mom's driving down the highway and he's storming off in the ditch and the kids are crying. And then they get back in the vehicle and they're bickering again. And I was like 10 years old and I finally had to be like, would you just shut up? And that was the first time there was silence in the van. I had to tell my own parents to shut up while we were on vacation. Just be quiet. They were just evil, evil people. Tell us during the guitar. Oh, I yeah. Mean, you tell me all kinds of stories. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know whether I should remind you of them yeah, or not. Yeah, but it's but just, just the delusion. Yeah. You know, we're going on a family vacation with like seven people in a van. I th maybe there was one missing at this point. Maybe it was only six. I don't quite remember. But you got the whole van packed full of stuff. And, and we have to tolerate my mom's guitar coming on this journey. And, and just being a, a total nuisance the whole way through. And we all have to be careful with it. We've got to pack it on top. Also that my mom can just like strum a guitar on a beach in PEI for like 10 minutes. And then we take it home again the whole way. And it was just like... It, she had this dream. This oh, yeah. Way. Just her ideas in her head of mm -hmm. what her long hair blowing in the wind while she played guitar on a beach. Mm -hmm. They just lived in this fantasy world. My mm -hmm. dad lived mm -hmm. hiking on the Bruce Trail. They just lived in total delusion, mm -hmm. chasing their own lusts. Uh, let me interject here. Uh, the kind of stuff we're talking about here is peanuts compared to what a lot of children go through. For sure. Right? 
you know, like they, they, they get beaten and they get raped and, and, and starved and, right. and all those things happen. But I think if people have any, any understanding for, for, for uh, what is important, uh, they're going to find that these are all similar matters. They might not be extreme, right? But they do the same kind of damage to. Well, at least when you get beaten, yeah. At least when you get beaten, you walk away and you'd be like, "You bastards! I'm never getting near you again. You're mm -hmm. dangerous." Mm -hmm. The way I was raised, it was like you ended up with Stockholm syndrome, where you're you're you start sympathizing with your captors, and and even yeah. even to this day, and I'll I'll tell you what brought it up because I'm sure my parents will wonder why after having them in my home, I'm, I'm angry. And I don't even know if angry is the right word, but just like I see it anew. I'm, I'm, it's like I, I, I totally calloused myself off so that they wouldn't hurt me the whole time. Because mm -hmm. I mean, there, were, there were times where, yeah, I was, I was pretty jaded about the whole thing, about what had happened with my parents, about being dragged around the country and stuck with my, my, my cousins under a pool table to just be like in the middle of nowhere with my older aunt and uncle and just strangeness while while my parents are off together in some cabin and and I just wanted to like stay with my friend in Coldale and go to university still and just be like okay well bye I'm going to university and they were the parents were agreed they they loved me they that was the thing when I would go to my friend's house they really appreciated me they were, they were thankful for me, they loved me, they hugged me, they, they asked me questions, they were concerned about me. Took an interest. Took an interest in me. I remember, I remember uh, uh, my friend Chris's parents, they were warm, in a, you know, they had their problems, there was no way they were perfect, I get that. But it was like you could tell that they cared about their kids, and they, mm -hmm. in some extent, and they cared yeah. about me. Yeah. And, and my parents, there was just none of that going on. It was like, now don't you be a pain in the ass, okay? That was the extent of our relationship. Don't you go making a bad name for me. Don't you go humiliating me. Don't you embarrass me. And do you have any explanation for, for why it was that way? Why they were that way? They were just so self-centered. Like and, yet, and yet you wouldn't say that concerning your brothers and sister. Like, it wasn't the same. But I, I think it wasn't the same because somehow they accepted the game of worshiping the parents. Hmm. It was like they, there was something in it for them. I don't. So you were posing as a rebellious black sheep. Well, I guess. <laughs> but it was just like you know. Th th here's another example. So like here I am. I don't really have any money. I had. I don't know if I was going to university at the time. I don't think I was. I think I no. I wouldn't have been. But I had, I had just been going to university, didn't have a lot of money, didn't even have a car yet. And it was my parents' anniversary or something. So all my brothers and sisters are like, we're going to take mom and dad somewhere nice. So we end up at like some ridiculously, like ignorantly ritzy restaurant in Burlington. Like you have your own personal room in some like stone cave with the, your own waiter. And he's standing in the corner of the room and you can pick the temperature of your room and like, like just upper crust bull crap, unnecessary stuff. Yeah. And, and so like, you know, a Caesar salad was like, you know, $50 or something for just a salad. It was ridiculous. 
And so we go there, and, and we're all supposed to just chip in, and, oh, don't worry, Mom and Dad, yeah, you get whatever you want. And they're just, like, soaking up this worship. But, like, it was so gaudy and irresponsible and, and, and lavish. Just, just pure, like, yes, just total extravagance. <coughs> and I think uh, Jeannie was even with me at the time, and, like, I think we shared the salad because you don't want to be embarrassed not having it, so we just, like, shared an appetizer as a meal and then went somewhere else to eat afterwards. Because like, we didn't have any money. Like, what business did my parents have even expecting or allowing it to happen? Mm-hmm. But they just soaked it up. There was no problem soaking in that kind yeah. of attention. Yeah. And, and my brothers and sisters just worshipped them and, and paid them obeisance. And I just didn't get it. And, and I, like I, I wasn't a problem kid. I didn't go out and party. I didn't really get into a lot of trouble, relatively speaking. I, you know, most of my friends got into a lot more trouble than I did. I didn't really cause much trouble. Which reminds me, you talked about uh, about uh, the theft. Oh yeah, there's another bizarre one, you know. So I was I was maybe ten years old. Oh, probably younger, a little younger, nine, ten years old. And my brother suddenly had very generous friends who gave them all kinds of video games and toys and things, and they became very wealthy people with this generous friend of theirs. <laughs> I remember. Maybe his name will come to me. I'm not sure if it will, but it uh, doesn't matter. But I, I would play the, I would, I, when he would, my brother Chris would take him into the house and he would come over and I would run upstairs and I would grab the classical record with the death march, you know, the funeral song, and I would play it when he came in the house because it was death when he came in the house. He had such a vile tongue and he, and they, they just suddenly, he, he brought the Dan Postma, that was his name, Dan Postma. He had this vile tongue and he taught, I mean, essentially influenced all of us to speak like sailors. It just, the language my brothers and I would use in our Christian pastor's home was <laughs> repulsive, disgustingly repulsive. And, uh, and so they used him as the excuse and, and he, was, he, he was the problem in that he taught them to start stealing. And, uh, but they would just say, oh, yeah, we're borrowing this video game from Dan. We're borrowing this from Dan. And they were stealing it all from Costco. And I didn't, I didn't really like to go out much. You know, when my family would go camping, I would try not to go camping. And if they went and did this, I went to shopping. I didn't really want to go shopping. I just assumed read my book or do something by myself. So anyway, then one day I go with my mom to Costco. And I'm like, huh, everything my brothers have happened upon and come into ownership in, in the last month or two, is like all the CDs on this row at Costco. And oh look, all the video games are from, yeah, all these video games they got are from this row at Costco. And oh, those like night vision binoculars my brothers have, yeah, those are from Costco. And oh, the Palm Pilot, those were pretty expensive too. Yeah, that was from Costco. And they knew how to knife open cases and pull out the the little security chips and slide them underneath things. And they, they they were actually pretty good thieves. They, they knew the ropes and, the, and they watched the cameras and they just started a career of theft. Yeah. They stole thousands of dollars worth of stuff. This is Chris, Chris, Julian. Chris and Julian. It wasn't Ruben. Okay. Uh, I just want to interject here again. Uh, folks, this does not sound very edifying at all. Yeah, I hear you. Know. you. It doesn't feel edifying. <laughs> Philippians 4, 8. 
Yeah. Uh, so finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true and honest and just and pure and lovely and a mm -hmm. good report, right? Mm -hmm. Think on these things, right? Mm -hmm. And so we, we're we're down in the in the in the sewer here, as far as For I'm sure. concerned. Okay. It's horrible. Um, but evil is a reality, and uh, we need to deal with it. We need to bring out what is there. We need to uh, expose it. Yes. Expose the works of darkness. For sure. That has to be done. That's not an enjoyable thing, and 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 we're still headed in the direction. I'm I'm hoping. I'm hoping that we're not messing. That we're not uh, right. offending the Lord. That we're not doing things that we shouldn't be doing. But um, I have to tell you that I, I see big things happening here compared to what we we're in in, in um, a as we saw this morning. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll we'll continue from here and. Hopefully, Martin, you can just get into more details uh, of, of the kind of things that happened. Mm -hmm. Tr try and do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was talking about my brothers being thieves. Um, so then I have to go through the awkward pain of, of calling them out. And so I confront my brothers, and they go back and forth. Yeah, we're doing it. Don't tell Mom and Dad. And I was like, no, I'm definitely going to tell them. And they're like, no, we're not actually doing it. We just made that up. And I was like, no, you really are thieves. And so I told my parents, and so that was quite an undertaking for the youngest to have to go against all his brothers, and and they, they resented me for it for a little bit. Um, and uh, so then they have to bring all, this is where it gets weird, they have to bring all the stuff back. They didn't, they weren't honest, so they had to bring some of the stuff back while they hid the rest. Um, so... My mother has to take them to Costco, and then they get banned from her. The kids get banned from ever coming in Costco again. As far as I'm concerned, she should have been banned. You know, how did the kids get that way? So anyway, and it's embarrassing, and my mom has to take them to the manager and go through all this stuff. And, and then I'll never forget, it was the strangest thing. And then I heard my two brothers who were guilty in some kind of what, penance or, or I, I don't know what it was. They took my mother out to Red Lobster. And I'll never forget thinking about that, trying to figure out what had happened. Because how are you sitting down, and first of all, how, how do you have an appetite for lobster after you take your children around town all day confessing to store owners they're thieves? Like, how do you even have an appetite? But like, how does it go? Do they buy the mother food and sit there and not eat anything? Well, she eats, or do they all just go out for dinner at Red Lobster and they pick up the tab? Like, like is that what you do with your children after? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't understand how that works. Yeah. What are you doing feasting? Yeah. yeah. After I guess like no conscience, sociopaths. Yeah, it just didn't. It was like, and and it was like, oh, they were they were so sorry to mom for putting her through that, so they took her out to Red Lobster, but. Right. And that's, you hear it as a kid, and, and you're kind of confused and perplexed by it. I look at it now, and I'm like, what the hell? Like, if I caught my kids stealing, and I had to take them back to these restaurants, and then we all go out for dinner afterwards, and they pick up the tab, and I'm like, mmm, lobster. Like, you, you go home, and, and you, you, you go in your room, and you shake your head and cry is what you do. It's a horrible thing. Yeah. And, and you, they just go out even with a lot of parents in the world. Yes, that's you what I'm know, saying. I'm not talking. We're not expecting Christian that's conduct right. and attitude for sure. We're just talking 
common what's what used to be what should be common sense. Yes, you don't see much of that anymore. No, but uh, it was just th this total bizarreness the whole way through, and and you know my my mother she would never come out of her room without makeup on like ever, like I don't know that I saw my mother more than a few times in my life without her hair all done up and her makeup on. And it was like, we would, we would want to, I, I remember, <laughs> so I'm in high school, I get rubbed out playing tackle football. And, uh, and it was more than your average wound. So I, I would try to play another few rounds, but it hurt my collarbone. And I guess it got pulled down so hard it fractured a few times, and so that hurts. So I'm in the infirm waiting for my mom. And they're like, yep, so, you know, and I think it was a, uh, Mrs. Greenway, the school secretary. I called your mom. You know, she says she's on her way. So I sat there in the infirm for like an hour and a half because my mom had to get ready to go in public first before she took me to the hospital to get an x-ray. So I was just sitting there. And I was like, where is she? And I'm like, well, I don't know where she is. And she just took her sweet time. She got ready first before she took care of her son. There was just, there was nothing that could keep her from going into public without her 20 layers of makeup on. Just a total fake. All done up and she always had to dye her hair and streak her hair and perm her hair and, and she'd be making these lotions for her skin and just, there was no end to the things that she would do to primp herself up. And everybody knew it. All of my cousins made fun of her for it. My uncles and aunts knew it was true. She was just such a, uh, I, don't, I don't know what, you, a, a press? Like, what do you call people like that? Just so vain. Strangely, strangely vain. And, uh, and it was always a point of contention. We were always late for things. There was, it was always waiting because she just, she ruled the whole house. And, and it was like, you know, Gandalf, a, a wizard arrives exactly when he means to. That was my mother. Mother arrives exactly when she means to, and she'll make everybody wait, and it doesn't matter. It was always that way. Mm -hmm. The whole house revolved around my mother. Mm -hmm. My father was completely subject to her. She ruled the whole house with a self-righteous iron fist. And I could kind of see why she had to rule the house, because my father was totally neg negligent in being a father. Completely. He just showed up to get angry if we frustrated my mother enough. But my mother was so frustrated because she was so irrational with us. You know, if she needed anything, if she needed anything, she just stomped on the floor. She'd be upstairs, and if she needed something, she just stomped on the floor, and somebody had to come all the way upstairs, ask her what she wanted, and often it was something from the basement, and then you have to run all the way into the basement, and then you have to go all the way upstairs and bring it to her. And she just stomped on the floor at her whim at any time. And that was it. Everybody had to just come running if she stomped her foot. It was just so, like, you, you dreaded. I remember growing up, and, and I remember she'd get up in the morning and have a banana and then throw it in the garbage can and let the lid slam, and that was no big deal or whatever. But you heard that noise, and it was like, mother's up. And you were just like, damn it, she's awake, she's around. That's how it was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a child, you kind of feel bad because you're like, you know, mother, like, I must be the problem. I, I could interject on a number of things here where sure. I just see parallels in my childhood, yes. my, my life. I called my mother a witch when I was 
right. six or seven years old. Right. What possesses it? And, and I was, that was in casual conversation that, that with someone else, my aunt, my aunt where I was staying, where they farmed me out for a year and a half, on and off. Uh, I had said that to my aunt, and I didn't expect my aunt to tell my mother, mm -hmm. but I had called her a witch. What possesses a six or seven year old kid to call his mother a witch? Mm -hmm. why, why would a kid do that? Mm -hmm. Why would a kid do that? And then my, my mother interrogated me on mm -hmm. it and tried to maybe get a little more out of that, uh, a little more mileage out of that incident than, mm -hmm. than, than, than she had from Auntie. Uh, she, would, she would kind of play, she would be coy about it and maybe I might come up with some other confessions. Yeah, oh, did you call and your I, mommy something to right. Auntie? That yeah. kind of stuff, yeah. And, and, and I hadn't, not that I can remember, but I did call her that and finally fessed up and, and, and said what I called mm -hmm. her. But uh, there was this, uh, this, this, this enmity between mm -hmm. child mm -hmm. and mother, mm -hmm. right? You know, and um, I, I remember when my dad was feeling, uh, oh no, yeah, he was, he was feeling pretty rough for a while because the church fired him and it was a pretty rough time for him. And, uh, and I, would, I would stay up with him and I would try to comfort him. I would, I would try to encourage him. I would even try to play, you know, you know I tried to talk to him about music. I was listening to this music. And you know, I was like, oh, "Here's a really cool song I was listening to." And, you know, I'm just this teenage kid, and and you're, you're just kind of like becoming your own person. I'm listening to this music. My dad liked music. I thought he might like my music, so I'm playing him. And he, and he was just like, "That depressing crap isn't going to make me feel any better." And I, and I just remember being like, "Like, wh why is he so selfish? Why?" Because I, I did think about things more than your average kid did. Like, there was my experience, but then there was also, I had this, like, confusion. Like, why are people acting like this? And I couldn't figure out. And then I remember years later, and my parents thought I was depressed. My mom was trying to convince me to go on, on antidepressants. And they just figured I was depressed. And I was like, I'm not depressed. I'm a perfectly content, curious, healthy human being. I want adventure. I'm excited for the life ahead of me. I just hate this house. I just hate being here. <laughs> I didn't want you to drag me all the way to Ontario. You dragged me away from where I was. You dragged me to BC, telling me to settle down there. I tried to settle down there, and you dragged me off to Ontario. I just don't want to be around here. And they were like, well, you're just, you're just not settling in here because you don't want to be here. And I'm like, yeah, you got it. I'm out of here. <laughs> There's no way I'm staying. And, you know, you know, that's what had happened. And, and, they, and so then he comes into my room one time. I'm not sure what for. And, you know, he heard my music. And, uh, and he, he just, I'll never forget. He just walks out of the room. He just comes in the room, hears the music, doesn't even say what he was going to say. He was like, huh, no wonder you're depressed. And he closes the door and leaves. Just in hearing some music. And I thought, like... First of all, that's really mean and just insensitive and hurtful. But that was just as a child experiencing it. Yeah. And now I'm thinking <laughs> about it like, like I had an 18-year-old kid who I had just dragged through all living hell. 
the, the family severed to the four, my brother living in one aunt's house and me living in some other aunt's house and the rest of the family running to Ontario and they're living in some cabin by themselves and we never get to see them. And you're just kind of like alone every day all of a sudden underneath the pool table. Like you have some cousins, but you don't really know them and your aunt and uncle are kind of little, they're, they're old. They were in the pattern of their lives. I, don't, I didn't have a problem with them. I kind of liked them, but they were... They certainly weren't like family. I was just somebody they allowed to be in their basement for the most part. And you're just like all alone. And you're, I was, I think, 17 at the time. Mm -hmm. And then he got me a job as a, a, as a framer. And so now I'm like, I didn't even have a choice. It's like, you're in BC, you have a job as a framer, you've never used power tools, it's raining, it's cold, you have no friends or family. Go. So you go through all of that and you barely come out the other side. And there was all that turmoil. And then you go into your son's room, who had to have been affected by all of it, and say, no wonder you're depressed. And like, I get parents make mistakes. Uh, they make the wrong decision. They, they, they try to do something and they, they think, do I do this or do I do that? And they do that. And it was like, well, that was the wrong thing. But this is just like, like it's just being an asshole. And I just, I was like, what is your problem with me? Like, what did I ever do to you to, to deserve that kind of contempt and wrath? And then I remember being very angry with him, and I, I called him an effing asshole. I was very sorry about it. And, uh, and I, I, I immediately wrote him a letter so that he didn't have to go to work the next day, because he had heard me. I didn't say it to him. He heard me say it to my brother. And, uh, and I felt so bad. And so I wrote this letter and I put it underneath my father's door so he'd get it in the morning before he went to work. Had your brother told your father that you would call him that? Or what? No, my dad just heard it. Oh, okay. He was around and I didn't know he was that close. Hmm. And um, <coughs> so anyway, I, I wrote him an apology, told him I had absolutely no business. It was totally out of line. And, uh, and, and all he could think to tell me is it, son, words are like toothpaste. You can't put them back in the tube. And, you know, at the time I was like, <laughs> lesson learned, right? Fine, I get it. I can never take that back. I, I regret it. And, I'll, and I look back at, at it now, I'm just like, <laughs> you had no forgiveness for your son. None. It was just like, right. screw you. You can't put that back in the tube. The exact opposite of Jesus Christ in every way. The exact opposite of the father receiving a prodigal son. The exact opposite of any father that loves his child. Where I had done wrong and with no, no prodding or poking, offered him an apology. Gave it to him and, and, and tried to make sure, yeah, that I didn't want him to go to work and think about it all day or something mm -hmm. or whatever. And I look back now and I think, if I had a son apologizing to me and, I, and, and writing me, like, how could you say those things? How could you be so, how could you, like, it was like he, it was like we were equals or something. Like, he, he, he did not owe anything to me. He was like, we were on the playground together and he was competing with me. And it was like, yeah, 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 you'll take it back. But it's not like I'll forget. Yeah, so you know I'm in charge here, but there was, there was no forgiveness.
None. That was a wretched feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To to be sorry for something to your your father, yeah. and have him just yeah. screw you. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I understand. You're sorry. I get it. But you know, son, you're going to have to learn that words are like toothpaste. You can't put them back in the tube. Yeah. Isn't that the gospel of redemption? Right. But it was like that the whole way through. Just this this total contempt, total hatred, and. And, and then there's another whole side. They treated Jeannie like a bag of crap. And that is one of the things I feel roughest about. I just did not have the sense or the, you know, I, I had my own, my own wife telling my parents to get the hell off the property. It was, it was, it was rougher than that. And, and, and I watched it happen and I knew that it was just. I, I knew that you knew then at that time? Oh, yeah. I knew Jeannie. I, I never once told my parents that she was wrong for doing it. And yet you were unable totally, to, do, to, totally do to do the dirty work. It was just because I, it was like I, I, you grow up in that pattern. And like, yeah, it's like Stockholm Syndrome where you're just like, well, maybe they were thinking this or maybe, maybe they're not this. And, and, you know, I'll tell you where that really ended for me recently. And this, this, is, <laughs> this might make some of you laugh. Maybe it'll make other people just think the whole thing is a joke. But so we, we go through all this, this stuff. Because even, maybe, maybe I'm still not going to tell the story. So even as I leave my house, I'm, I'm leaving. I tell my parents I'm moving out. They're like, you can't move out. That's when my, da my dad's throwing money at me and yelling at me. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm leaving. So I get my brother. And, and I tell my parents I'm leaving. My brother's going to drive me to the truck stop in the morning where my father-in-law picks me up and takes me to Alberta. And, um, and I have to get my parents out of bed in the morning to say goodbye to me because I could have just left home and they were not going to be waiting. They did just nothing. I was dead to them already. And, uh, and, and, I, and I remember telling my mom, she's like, well, you need your parents. You need your family. You need them. And I was like... Why? Uh, I have all these questions, and you guys have none of the answers. There's a whole world out there. I have to go somewhere else where people have answers, because you don't have them. It's just, I can't be here. So I told my mother that, and my father, and I talked to them the next morning. Not really talk to them, but say goodbye to them. And my dad just reaches out his hand. And, you know, this is a big event as a child. You're leaving your home. Right. I knew I was never coming back. Like... <laughs> There was no way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't care what I had to do. I was never going home again. Mm -hmm. And so that's a pretty life-changing event. And, and, and he reaches out my hand, and he shakes my hand, and he says, well, son, I feel like this is the end of our relationship. And I was just like, okay. What, like, what do you say to that? Yeah. It was so much about him. Yes. There was no room for, for even his child. No room. And, and it continues to this day. Here, did you yeah. see I went oh, camping? Certainly. Look yeah. at all my pictures of camping. Yeah. Camping, camping, camping. Last did you see I go days, camping? Right? Yeah, last, last few days I get pictures of him camping. Look at me camping. Yeah. There's just absolutely no concern or curiosity or wonder of how I am or, or any attempt to, to really get to know my children. They would come and visit even in the past, come and visit, and they rarely got to see us. And he spent the whole time showing me his cool phone, first of all, and then showing me all the pictures of all my other nieces and nephews. 
It was like he was your child and trying to look for some attention. Yes. Uh, yeah, look, partially. Look at, my, look at my other grandchildren. Never mm -hmm. mind the ones that are in the room I'm not going to get to visit with. Right. Look at all these other ones. Look at them, look at them, look at them. Uh -huh. And it's just no interaction with my children. Uh -huh. And then there's the Lego. Yeah, so, that, so then, you know, then, then we end up here. They, they, um, so after we leave the home, after I left the house, it wasn't like there was this big fight or anything. Mm -hmm. There wasn't any great upheaval. I didn't leave. It was like they didn't like the fact that I was leaving. He said he felt like it was the end of the relationship. He was telling me, by the way, I'm done with you. That's what it was. I'm mm -hmm. finished with you. Mm -hmm. I'm tired of you. Get the hell out of here. Mm -hmm. So then years go by. Which was the reality right from the very beginning. For sure. So years go by. And, and it's just the cherry on the... And there's, and there's no communication between us. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you, know, we, you know, then we went out there for a, a, you know, a Christmas or something. And it was just total hell there. I, I was like, why did we do this? Why, why am I visiting my family? Oh, it's like paying money to have your eyes poked out. Nothing but conflict and pain and, and, and like we all get, they don't tell me that they're all sick and now they're all puking and, and the kids are sick and my brother Ruben's just being an absolute retard. I don't even mind saying it because it's true. Mm -hmm. It's just like he was so difficult and, and I tried to talk to my brother Chris and my dad like, will you just deal with him? Why can't we ever just deal with him? Why do we just have to let him be such a brat child all the time mm -hmm. and make everything about him? Oh, well, you have to learn to love your brother and everything. I was like, or we could just tell the truth and maybe something would improve. But it was like, no, you can't do it. We all have to get along. It's Christmas. And the guy was just nut job. And uh, <laughs> I'm serious. Well, I know you're serious. <laughs> and I don't want you to spare you. Yeah, it was just... just spill it all. It and was people... Uh, think the worst of you, let them. You know, we, 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 we go there and, and my, my, my young child is like puking and, and we're, I'm sick, I'm puking and we're sick and, and, and it's like, it's, it's no problem, the whole house is making noise, everything's like my brother Ruben's kid gets a little sick and it's like, stop the world. And he's like, you can't step on that creaking floorboard or that creaking floorboard because otherwise you'll wake up my kid. And, and then when he's trying to put his kid to bed and my kid's next door, he's singing hymns at the top of his lungs to his child, waking up my child. And, there, and I'm trying to like tell people this and there was just no, it was like, we don't deal with problems in this family. Just shut your mouth. Don't you know how it works around here? You just shut your mouth. Mm -hmm. And it was just, there was no getting through to anybody on anything. And it was always like that. So the relationship just, you know, then, it, it was always kind of messy, and then eventually, after becoming a believer, then I was like, the, of course, then all the conflict just went skyrocketing through the roof, because I was like, I tried to tell them about organic, and that was even before becoming a believer. And it was like, <laughs> how are you going to feed the world? That's ridiculous. Just totally mocking and scoffing us, completely. And, um, and... Talk about satanic. For sure. Just total disregard. Talk like, about satanic. Like, don't, don't. You're dealing with devils. Yeah, don't bother me with that stuff. And, and my mom, you know, she would just say things, totally unreasonable things. And you'd be like, no, mom, look, in Wikipedia, it's not true what you're saying. And she'd be like, well, that's not what I've read. Just didn't, nothing could get through. You couldn't say a single word that got through to their skulls. So proud, so unwilling to learn anything. And, uh. And Particularly so, from you, it sounds like. For sure. And so finally I was like, forget it. I'm done with these people. And so I wrote a, uh, 
So they thought that they thought it was bad then. I wrote a letter to all of my. Well, first of all, I when I first became a believer, I wrote a letter of confession of sin to my whole family. Well, they thought that was pretty horrible because me confessing my sins incriminated some of them. Right. So then that right. was just obscene. Right. You don't have to go sending that. You don't. You don't go hanging your dirty laundry. <laughs> exactly what they said. So they get all huffy and puffy about the truth yeah. being told again. Yeah. And, uh, and I even tried really, I wasn't making the point about them and their sin. I was apologizing for mine. And, um, yeah. and then they were all so difficult. My, my brothers were, you know, Julian visited, just an absolute asshole. Totally difficult in every way. And, and not, even, not even denying that his wife is possessed by devils. I told him, your wife is possessed by devils. So, hi, Laura. Yeah, yeah you're possessed yeah. of devils, and so is Julian. Yeah. Yeah. And I tell him, and he's like, well, I'm, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to argue. I, I know what you're saying. I, I have to say to, to uh, Julian and Laura. For sure. That uh, when I was there at the farm, that was just a hugely unpleasant experience. No kidding. She was just a straight-out black bitch. Yes, <laughs> amen. She was just horrible. For sure. And Julian was just flowing along the smart alecky, snug, not snug, smug, smug, <laughs> yeah, attitude. You For know, sure. That's all it was. Yeah. And he left a filthy, dirty toilet, right? Yeah. Because he had what diarrhea and blasted away and. And just, they just leave everything. They leave the mess with you. Yeah. And they expect you to just tolerate all of that and just overlook it. No regard f for anybody or anything. And, and did the same thing that my, my, my mother did. You invite them for, for breakfast. They don't even tell you that they're not coming. And they just, yeah. and so you're just, you're just getting stood up after you left them in your house. And, you, and, you know, we feed people like they're kings. And you make this nice meal in this nice home, and they don't even show up. And it's like, well, I wasn't feeling well. And meanwhile, I'm pretty sure they were just pissed off with me or something. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. But just total jerks. I guess this is not the easiest or the best way to convert people to Christ. Oh, I guess it? not. But well, We're not going to get anywhere that way, are we? Aren't we? If that's what we were trying to do, then we're doing the wrong thing. Right. But, uh, but that's the way it was, all of yeah. them. Totally difficult. And finally, I was like, that's it. I've had it with all of you. I'm not communicating with you anymore. That's it. I'm finished. And for a long time, that's the way it was. And my parents would try to send things in the mail, and you know, because that's their favorite position. They already have another son that doesn't want to talk to them. And I, Sean, if you ever watch this, I hear you. <laughs> I that's hear your, you. That's your step. Brother? Yeah, that's my half brother. Half brother. That my half brother doesn't want to talk to my parents either for obvious reasons. And that's been for many years now. Oh, many years. He just and and I could I was like, why would you? And my Sean, my brother Sean had his problems, but I I totally get why he just cut the cord and just left it that way. And so I cut the cord with my parents, and that was it. And they would try to send things. I sent them back, and they really love. They'll hate to hear this because they they my mother acts like she's just. Uh, faithful mother who loves against all odds and will never give up on her children and and of course it's just total crap she just wants to own all of her children as right. her possession yeah. it's about ownership yeah. and because uh, if she loved us she would have nurtured us and taken care of us and that did not happen period like t to this day and 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 i'm counting on the lord to provide healings in all those areas but to this day I know that I'm affected even just with food based on the way my mother raised me. So just leave all kinds of damage. Yeah, so folks, do you think that maybe Victor is kind of humoring Martin and encouraging him in his right. rebellion and rotten attitude towards his parents? He, he's, he's just totally it demolishing, sure looks bad. 
totally demolishing uh, the fifth commandment, honor thy father and thy mother. Right. You know, what kind of a scoundrel am I? And what kind of a wretched, ungrateful son am I? Yeah. Yeah. So then, <laughs> you're interrupting. <laughs> um, so then. I thought it was worth saying. Right. <laughs> so then, uh, um, then uh, you had brought some things up, and I, I had to come to the place where I was willing to, despite how insane the whole thing was, to just apologize for my portion to my parents mm -hmm. for not loving them as I ought to have and, right. and not, not honoring them where I could have. Right. And, and I, I mean, I, I, and I'm... You're not claiming that there was faultlessness in your part. Right, for sure. Straight out. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, I was bitter and, and resentful of them, I guess. And, you know, part of it's understandable and, and part of it was unjustifiable. Yeah. And so I apologized for those situations yeah. and extended a... a An olive branch. An olive branch, or, yeah, I guess you'd call it that. Just... Because I, I did forgive them, and I had forgiven them before that, and then a I, gesture of reconciliation. Yes, maybe. and and I had I had forgiven them long before, even though I didn't want to talk to them anymore. It doesn't mean I didn't forgive them. Right. And and I do want these things to be clear, because there's a lot of people in a situation of conflict with their parents, and they they have this idea in their head that if you forgive your parents who have been crappy, that that obligates you to chain yourself to them and perish with them. And forgiving your parents does not mean that you have to have anything to do with them. Right. It means that you simply don't hold it against them. You're not condemning them. Right. And uh, and so you know. And then and actually, the truth is that if you're you're still holding something against them, though you have presumably forgiven them, you're still you're still holding yourself bondage to them, aren't you? Right. You're still in their territory. That's right. You're still owned by them. Yeah. You're still and so and so I was like that. No, I've, I've forgiven them, and and I want to be rightfully sorry where I've been wrong. Mm -hmm. And so. Uh, and then they, my, my grandma died, so they had opportunity to come with my brother Chris, and and I didn't make any I, I didn't make any contention over anything. I just honored them, was hospitable, showed them around, and things were fairly pleasant. Although it, it's still just like my mother's righteousness and my father's doctrine, like it's so brutal. And that, you know, that's the isn't that the horror of Babylon? You've got the horror luring people in with her niceties. And then you've got this evil liar making up doctrines to, to, you know, back up the church. You've got this soulishness and then this intellectualism, and they combine into this horrible beast, and they call it a church. And that's what my parents were. They were both sides of that. The, mm. the doctrinal, intellectual side of mm -hmm. that horror of Babylon, mm -hmm. and then this mushy, gushy, disgusting love side. Which, by the way, I never experienced from you, Mom, until, until somehow... I came to believe, and it was like all these years later, and then suddenly, all of you, Chris too, like suddenly it's like, oh, brother, is that you? Oh, it's, it's like, oh, bless you. And I'm thinking like, I grew up in a home where it was just like coldness and foul mouths, and then like I come, I, suddenly all this time later, you're getting religious with me? And my mother's like all sappy and... As a, as a response to your having come to faith and some conviction and some speech. Yeah, and then they're just trying to compete with that, with this sappy crap that never existed before. Mm -hmm. Like I'm supposed to be thinking it's genuine and it's just a bunch of religious vomit, just 
uh, pretending that they see you as just having seen the light. Right. Is that it? For sure. Right? Like they've been there all along. Right. And so, so then my parents come here and, you know, it was a bit like that. And, you know, even, even where they might admit some fault for maybe not being great parents and there were failures there. But, but never anything specific but, but confessed or... No, never any kind of... Generalities, any, any, anybody can come up with generalities right. in terms of confession. Right? For sure. And, oh, yeah, I was a dirty sinner. Mm-hmm. But there oh, was... Really? Yeah, I was a crappy tell father. Me, tell me more. Yeah, right. Oh, no, well, no. I'm not that dirty. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not get <laughs> not into Not that it. dirty. My, my mind's too clean now for that. Yeah. And uh, so then... And, and this, is, this is where the Stockholm Syndrome ended. My mother says that she's sending us, sending the children, some used Lego in the mail. And this is, like I said, I know it's going to sound petty, but hear me out. And so I'm like, huh. You Use know what? The Lord had, you know, there are, there are, I'm interrupting, I know. Yeah, I know. I think I even know what you're going to say, so go ahead. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Uh, you know, there were... Two dozen or more offenses mm-hmm. in the scriptures were were called for capital punishment. The old man with the sticks, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. How do you how do you get ahead of this guy? You just don't. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. That looked pretty petty, didn't it? God was in his wrath. He tells Moses and the people stone him to death. Stone him to death. And all he did was pick up the old man picking up some sticks for making some bread. Yeah. And yeah. he just ran out of firewood on the Sabbath, and he grabbed a few sticks, yeah. and then. Yeah, whacked. The whole community is throwing rocks at him. Yeah. So while this thing may look a little petty, yes. it's far beyond, far beyond. And if you explain it or describe it the way you, you relayed the whole thing to me, which I'm saying, I insist on the details. Yes, well, so... And I'm not, I'm not just asking yeah. you for details. I give details too. Right. So, I'm, so I'm getting you to practice what I preach. Right. <laughs> Somebody has to. So, so yeah, we're laughing, but serious. Well, maybe it'll maybe it'll somehow persuade people we're not nasty or bitter about the whole thing. Um, but it's it's just a factual reality, and it has to be dealt with. So, my 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 wife Jeannie, she gets the the birthday the birthday thing from my mom, right? And and we don't do birthdays. We think they're they're. They're worldly, senseless, stupid, vain celebrations. Nowhere taught in the Bible. Measuring lengths of death. Right. That's what birthdays are. Right. Because we're in the death realm. Right. And so what are you doing celebrating how long you've been living around, around and in this dead world? And you notice that none of them, if you're like, hey, so when were you uh, reborn again in the spirit? Uh, um, when were you born in the flesh? Boom, they have the day. Mm-hmm. April 1st, 1946. Yeah. <laughs> April Fools. Yeah. But there's this, this focus on, the, on, on birthdays. And, and I don't care if I don't even have a reason for not keeping birthdays. Yeah. I, I'm walking according to my conscience. I think they're crappy and useless. And, and so we don't do them. We've notified them as such. But my mother insists that... Now that we have, you, you would think that after I extend the olive branch, after years of not talking to them, and we have a meet, we have this 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 visit, and it ends on good terms. That you're like, okay, all right, I really love my son, and I really missed him, and things are going well. Let's not screw anything up. 
Like, I'm not expecting them to walk on eggshells or something. Right. But just, you would think that a mother or, you know, that loved her children would be like, you know what, I'm just, I'm just going to respect them where they're at. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm just, just going to have some respect for them. Treat them well, be generous with them, not screw this up. Instead, nope, 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 nope. First time it's somebody's birthday. And, you know, the humor of it, of course, is that she, she sends Jeannie a, a, a birthday greeting not knowing how old she is and getting the birthday wrong which kind of proves the point that it was more about defying our non-birthday thing Mm -hmm. than it was about having any genuine care for her because she doesn't even know how old she is or when her birthday is so um but does the happy birthday thing anyway and and tries to dress it up a little night well this we were blessed by you coming into this world and like just can it. You don't care about Jeannie. You never did. I can hardly even expect you to. You don't know her. You've never spent any time with her. You can't relate to her. You don't want to relate to her. So don't pretend. It's just kind of nauseating. So so anyway, and then along comes with it. Oh, and, I, and I, 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 I saw some Lego on Facebook Marketplace, and I thought of your kids, and, and I'm sending it in the mail. And I'm kind of like, huh, use Lego. Generous. <laughs> You know, pardon me for being an ingrate, but uh, you know when you when you buy your your grandchildren that you haven't been able to buy any gifts for because you've not had a relationship with your children. Trust me, for fault of your own, that that after all those years you would just want to buy something nice for your grandchildren. Instead, you get some used Lego and you send it, and I'm like, cool. I'm not even upset yet. I'm like, that's par for the course. They're cheap. Um. Because, yeah, really, especially they were cheap with me, for sure. But um, we get the Lego. And, and out of this, and, and it's like, there's, there's nothing, it's just like two Ziploc bags in a box. Or, sorry, four, four Ziploc bags in a box. That's it. Was there any card or note or nothing? Just, and, and we take out the Lego, and it, like, it kind of stinks like people's homes. And, and I'm like, oh, that's why. And there's animal hair all over the inside of the bags like static clicking to the ziploc bags and then you open it up and there's like like sticky gummy dirty crap on some of the lego and then there's these like weird creepy figurines mixed in there and then some other stuff that's just like garbage it isn't even lego i'm looking at it i'm thinking like what the hell is this after all this time after everything we've been through what I'll keep covering my face, yeah, because it's, it's hard to talk about. It's so stupid. <laughs> After all this time, you send my children dirty Lego. And here's, here's, here's what I'm talking about. This is, this is two different perspectives. This is when the Stockholm Syndrome ended. Because I'm thinking to myself, well, okay, so she knows my kids like Lego. She sees some Lego on Facebook Marketplace. And she's like, huh, they might like that. That'll be fun. So she buys it for them. And she doesn't really pay attention to it. Maybe she's in a hurry. So she just throws it in the box and sends it. And I'm thinking, well, it's, it could happen. And it can happen. And I get it. I get it. But my question is, why does she only think of my children when she sees used Lego? She goes to all kinds of places. Costco, there's Lego there. My mother-in-law goes to Costco. We have to stop her from buying Lego for the children. And And it's not like my 
in-laws are more wealthy than my parents or something. It's not like my parents don't spend all kinds of money on, on camping and this, that, and the other thing. It's not like they don't have a little bit. Even $40. I, I don't care if you spent like $10 on a new, two new little Lego sets, just two little cheap ones and send it. She didn't even go through the Lego and make something or send a note or be creative. It was like, you thought of my children when you saw used Lego, but not when you saw anything nice. And that's that. And it was like, no way. This is where it stops. That's how I was treated. My whole childhood was filled with that. With my mother just going to the thrift store and just buying a bunch of random clothes, putting them in a garbage bag, dumping them on the living room floor. And we just had to like kind of fight over who got what thing that we liked and clothe ourselves. There was never any like, oh, Martin would like this or taking me somewhere. They could have taken me to the thrift store and let me pick some things out. Still would have been cheap and I would have had some sovereignty, some dignity. But it was never like that. It was just like the only way that I can explain my childhood, the way that sums it up, is that I was an unworthy orphan in my own home. Yeah. You just didn't really deserve to be there. It was a pittance to keep me off the street. Total, total contempt. No honor. Not like, you know what we should do? We should buy Martin's kids something really nice. Nothing like that. Mm -hmm. We should insist on uh, birthdays. They don't like it, but tough. Tough. Things are going to be my way or the highway. That's my mother. I'll find some way of wishing you a happy birthday. And I won't even say happy birthday, but I'm going to do it. And you can't stop me. I'm going to bring it up and you will tolerate me because mother has it her way. Just total rulership. Mm -hmm. Totally demonic. Yeah. Why would you pick a fight with your child? Why would you create contention after everything we had gone through? Yeah. Why would you create contention and then send a cheap, shitty gift you don't even look over to them? So this is level one of the purpose for this video. Right. Right. There are the levels. Keep tuned. And then, and then, and then I, I, I remembered my whole childhood. Early in my childhood, I had this constant repeating dream of, uh, right. of being, well, the, the first ones was, I, I, I had the dream hundreds of times where we, we got out of, we had this Acadian, this old yellow vehicle, and the whole family was in there. And I just like step out of the vehicle for a second, and suddenly this massive high ho just comes in and tears away a huge gulf between me and my family. And they start spreading into the distance and they're gone. Just a huge, insurpassable gulf between me and my family. And I had the dream, many, it was a nightmare that tormented me, being ripped from my family. Yeah. Oh, this would, I mean, my brother Sean was telling me you know, trying to comfort me in my bed. Mm -hmm. So this would have been four or five years old, maybe. It was, wow. it was horrible. Wow. Over and over and over and over again. It'd bring me to tears many, many times. And, uh, and then later, wow. yeah, later the dreams turned into, uh, it was just people chasing me, nonstop pursuing me. And this was for decades. I'd go to bed and it was like I had to run a marathon in my sleep. You wake up exhausted, and you're just running like you know people shooting at me, and they were always just kind of evil. I kind of it was like they were Russian mob people. I'd seen too many movies in the '90s where the bad guy was always a Russian, but uh, you never really got a good look at them. 
and they were just pursuing and shooting and trying to capture me and they meant evil. And I would run and run and run. I would drive over cliffs on cars to get away from them, jump out of windows, jump into flames, like no end of running. Probably at least many hundreds of these dreams. Hmm. Many hundreds, like five, six hundred times. And, and it was just like, it got to the place where it was just casual. It was just like, oh, another one of those again. And, uh, and that's how it was. And then, and then recently, particularly I would say after my parents left, I started just having these dreams and they, they felt really, I mean, it feels about as good as this does. <laughs> Maybe that's just, uh, whatever. It is satisfying to speak about it regardless. But I'd be calling out my, my family, my, my dad, on the pulpit and other religious people on the pulpit, just going right into their churches and just confronting them as they stand there and being like, what, what's going on here now? What kind of lies are you preaching? What are you all about? Just evil, wicked people. And then, and then just recently, I think it was a, a Sabbath morning as I was waking up, it was like, my family was even trying to capture me. Like, I didn't really know it was my family at first, it was on a farm. And then I realized it was my family's farm. And it was like, I, and I was like, I, I gotta get out of here. What, what's going on? And uh, I, I don't think I realized it was my family's farm. I was running, I was swimming through ponds and running through forests and just whipping through fields and jumping over fences, just running for my life. like. Mm. Like, you're going to die if you don't get away. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and rarely was I ever looking over my shoulder to see who was chasing me. Like, you'd catch a glimpse of them, and you could see them, and they had guns and weapons. And I finally looked over my shoulder this time and turned around. And, it and this was when? A couple days ago. Yeah. On, on Sabbath morning, this last Sabbath morning. You finally looked. I finally turned around and looked at who was chasing me. And it was my family. I've been running from them for my whole life. Mm-hmm. I go to bed and run, and I always thought, like, what is going on? And all of these just troubling dreams, just very difficult, yeah. troubling dreams. Yeah. And and uh, yeah, I, I see that they were, it was I was running from them my whole life. And it was a host of devils. Yes. It wasn't just them. It's not it was flesh like and blood. It's that's not right. Flesh and that's blood right. That we're dealing with here. For sure. Yeah. It, it's been a spiritual warfare. Yes. That's what it's been. Yeah. And it's like. And I, and I see that in my family. Yes. I see from where I came and what's what was happening. Mm-hmm. I was I was surrounded with devils in my mother's womb. Mm-hmm. The, the Lord revealed that to me much later. That's why I was hated. She blamed me for anything and everything. I'd be in Winnipeg, two hundred miles away. <laughs> Archie, my my. A younger brother would go around, and he would get, I get, drunk with a friend or two, and they'd go and shoot up the town and, and the exhibition building windows and and car mirrors and whatever else they do all of that. My mother would call me. I'm in Winnipeg. Don't have a clue what's going on. She calls me. And she says, "Why didn't you tell me? He was going to do that. Why didn't you stop him?" Yeah, that's crazy. Talk about crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had a nervous breakdown. I felt badly. I really did. I was the one responsible. Mm-hmm. 
And how did I find out? The doctor told Dad to tell, to keep me away from the hospital she, because she didn't want to see me because I was the one that caused this nervous breakdown. And I know that during all that time, I was busy with, with, with work and uh, extra jobs and, and, and school and uh, maybe the rock band around that time, I don't remember. Mm -hmm. But I, I was nowhere near her to give her all that torment. Mm -hmm. And it's not as though she was missing me. Mm -hmm. It wasn't as though I wasn't, uh, that I was neglecting her somehow. Mm -hmm. Th there just wasn't anything happening at all. But I got the blame. She blamed me for everything. Mm -hmm. Blamed me for anything and everything that came along. Mm -hmm. I, I, I just shook my head. I just couldn't understand. But Martin, we've been dealing with the demonic forces, yes. the powers of darkness. That's yes. what's been happening. And, and I want to say to the people, all this was purposed. Mm -hmm. I know that. I, I don't have any well, doubt We're not about bitching it. about it. No. We are reporting it. We're telling yes, you it just what, happened. what happened. And, and we feel the need to tell everybody just, just what's happening here. It's the forces of darkness that were, were uh, oppressing and coming to destroy us. They would have destroyed us had the Lord not spared us. Right. They would have wiped us right out. Right. But that's what was happening. And, and we are coming to the place now where, where the Lord is calling on us, using us, mm -hmm. to turn the forces, the, the battle of, of, uh, between the forces of light and darkness, to turn it around. Yes. The forces of darkness have had their day. They've had their day. They've been chasing me for long enough. Yeah. And, and me too. Right. But uh, like I, I won my battle. Right. And you're winning yours. Right. But, but, but that's, that's what's happening. And this now, I talked about level one being your parents directly, right? And your right. immediate family. Uh, but we're, we're, we're coming to the place now where the whole thing is being turned around in the whole world. I called it the Battle of Armageddon. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's completely accurate, but in a spiritual sense, I mm -hmm. believe it is. I believe it's the forces of darkness that are now being called into account, mm -hmm. being confronted, and being defeated. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe that's what's happening. We've been trained for this from early childhood. Right. You know, my mother and father sold me out to, to my aunts and uncles. Dad didn't want to take me to a school a mile and a half, mile and three quarters away from home. Right. I, I, I assume that was uh, the reason. Right. So he sent me to my aunts and uncles three miles away, and I'd walk half a mile back and forth from there. Right. right. So until Archie was old enough to go to school, and so then they brought me back home for grade three. I, went, I, I was at aunties and uncles for grade one and two, half of grade one and, and the full grade two. But, but he, I can't imagine, I, I've said to, to Marilyn, I can't imagine having farmed Jonathan out at age six, six or seven, farmed him out to, to uh, aunts, uh, uh, to anybody. It's in, doesn't it's matter what. I, 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 I would have probably w sooner without, put a bullet in my head. Without natural affection. Yes, yes. And mom, mom said that it was, it was dad's idea. And I, I thought, well, you know, she's, she's lied. She's, she's, she hasn't been honest with me. And, and uh, so I thought, no, Dad, I like Dad. And, and I got along with Dad. And Dad was my, my, my toughest trial when it came to conversion at age 26, 27. Uh, he was the hardest for me to forsake. Mm -hmm. My mother, I didn't have that connection with her. 
well, you know, she, she never breastfed me except for a couple of months and then just cut me right off. Didn't, mm -hmm. there, was no, there was no weaning. Mm -hmm. It just cut me right off because they want what? To have their fun or whatever? Who knows? I don't know. But uh, I was... Um, I, Who cuts I, off their first child? I, I couldn't imagine doing that with, with John. I just couldn't imagine that. And my father never spent one, I don't remember him ever spending any time, not, not a minute, with us playing with us or, or doing anything with me, taking me somewhere, maybe doing whatever. There was nothing like that whatsoever. I went neither, neither did my mother spend any time. That was, except maybe when I was four or five, I remember a bit of this with some letter set or whatever and ink and what have you, stamping. I don't know, I don't remember what it was anymore. But, but very little time. A lot of conflict. But he didn't want to take me to school just for that mile and a half. And it didn't have to be every day, you know? And then there was a time when they had catechism, Catholic catechism in a village uh, five miles away from our place. And they had it for a week. I think it was a week, maybe two, uh, at least a week. We had to walk there. No, not walk there. I think somebody would get us there and then we'd have to walk home. Mm -hmm. Archie, Barbara and I would have to walk home five miles mm -hmm. on each of those days. I remember being halfway through and and being really tired. This is after a day of being there, you know, and there you are having to, mm -hmm. to walk home because there was nobody to, to pick you up. Dad just didn't give a damn. He mm -hmm. just didn't give a damn. Oh, certainly he would have been busy at times doing this or the sure. other. But what does it take to hop in the car and just drive three, four, or five miles, even if you were to meet us partway, and, and just pick us up and bring us home? What, what does it take to do that? What, what does it take to tell your child? That you appreciate something about them. Sure, there that never happened. <laughs> Not oh, even that was that was the farthest thing. Oh, from us. for sure. But I, I see the parallels there, and I could have interjected and 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 and, and identified with yes, the for sure. several things that you mentioned sure. in your in your story here, and there's so many parallels, so many similarities, and all this I see now, and it's coming to a head. Like I said, I had a, on the June June second uh, of this uh, of this year, I, I listed a whole bunch of things that where I, I suddenly saw my dad as as a scoundrel. Like mm -hmm. the guy was just a selfish scoundrel. That's and and, and and my uncle filled me in on a few things too, when I was staying at my aunts and uncles. And why did he f allow me to be farmed out to my aunts and uncles in the first place? My uncle was a dirty old man. If you wanted to call anybody a dirty old man, you know, you hear that expression, oh, he's a dirty old man, and you're usually talking about sexual perversion or, or that sort of thing, right? Mm -hmm. My uncle taught me every dirty joke he knew, both English and Ukrainian, all the s songs, all the ditties mm -hmm. in Ukrainian. Mm -hmm. He taught me all of that, and, he'd, and, he, mm -hmm. and he hammered home to me. Uh, I can remember those things mm -hmm. to this day, mm -hmm. all right? And they are, they're, they're foul, they're really horrible. He taught me all that. Dad must have known that uncle was like that. And did he give a damn about his seven-year-old son, his firstborn, mm -mm. being farmed out to something like that? Didn't he know that was what was gonna be happening? Mm -hmm. he, he knew him or he must have known. He was either a damn fool or he didn't give a damn. It's one or the other. So, so 
I'm, I'm, I'm identifying with a lot of this. For sure. You know? I, I find it strange how it was hard for me to part with debt. Like, I went through it. I, yeah. I was, I was, I'm thankful for that. But, but it was, uh, he was the hardest struggle. There was some kind of connection I had there. But, um, I mean, I, I can say that with my dad, he's, um, we're not, we're not that um, dissimilar. Like right. I'm very much like my father. And, oh, and okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so we, we, had, we had a lot in common in a certain sense. And uh, so I've, I've always tried to understand him, try to, try to figure him out, try to understand mm -hmm. where he was coming from, sympathize with him. And I did sympathize with him. I was quite defensive of him and uh, quite angry with the way the church had treated him and all that stuff. And, you know, I wanted to stick up for him instead of just laying down and dying like it seemed like they did. And, uh, but... It, I, I didn't really have, instead of like a, a, an overt draw, like you experienced, like an emotional draw, mm -hmm. for me it was just like, I just always gave them a little bit of benefit of the doubt. Uh, I, I was too, I think. Yeah, it was like, he can't be, they can't be all that bad, they, they can't this, they can't. But then, but now I'm just like, oh, you idiot. Like, how did you not see it for what it was? Why did you let it drag on for so yeah. long? Yeah. Why did you let them offend so many times? Why did you let them mistreat your family? Why did you let them, why did you tolerate any of that? Mm -hmm. And I'd sit there. And Jeannie couldn't believe it. Oh, right? yeah, no, she couldn't could hardly it. comprehend it. She had some context. You didn't have any. Oh, yeah, like Jeannie's parents were... <laughs> They, they offered me more love and, 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 and like just, just the time I spent in, in the, in the semi-truck leaving my house and, and going to Alberta. You know, it was a five-day journey or whatever it was, six-day journey, I, I forget. But with my father-in-law, it was like he was, a, he was a friend. He was honest. He was available to communicate with. Anytime I would talk with my parents, it was like, you were just patronized for being young. And it was like, oh, well, yeah, okay, sweetie. But, mm. Mm -hmm. but you just, there was, you couldn't speak to them. Mm -hmm. You know, and they wonder why it has to come to this. They were, they were upset when I sent a little email to the whole family. Wait, wait till this happens. But this is, this is what happens when you will not listen to your children. Yeah. There's no communication. You will not... You just disregard everything they have to say. You write it all off. And I know damn well that my mother and father know that I'm right. I know very well that both of you know that I'm right. You know he's right, too. You know perfectly well. And the, you, just, you live in your stubborn, wicked rebellion, defending your own little island, maybe because maybe you can keep it propped up long enough until you die, and then, well, it's the next realm. Or I don't know what the thinking is. But it's just total insanity. Any, any, you know, problems that they've had, my problems with my mom's back pain, I'm able to give them counsel and advice that actually works. And yet there's still this stingy skepticism, this, this unwillingness. You remember the one time my mom, my mom wants to buy a Berkey, and she's going to get it from me because I sell Berkeys. 
but she's been doing cost comparison online. Mm-hmm. You know, and she found something that was like American dollars. So obviously, it was way cheaper, but not really. <laughs> and and she's sitting there trying to like, what be be cheap with me, Negotiate. like dicker me down. Yeah. Well, I found it here on this website for this price, so I was wondering, and I'm just like, I'm your son. <laughs> like, and, and especially when I had children, I'm thinking like, you're doing this to your own son. Why do you care about twenty dollars? Like, what, yeah. do you, what is your problem? You want twenty dollars? Yeah. Have a thousand. Yeah. I'll throw my dad's ten thousand dollars right back in their face. Who cares about money? Yeah. But they did. Yeah. But it was it was like, then they would spend it on all kinds of things. So they weren't that cheap. Right. They just weren't going to waste it on me. It was just a total waste of time and energy yeah. to be generous with me. See, this is uh, this is the spiritual wickedness. Yes, working in them for sure, hating us. They just hating us. And and I I can only conclude that they hated me, and I knew it because Jeannie was like, you know, like, what is their problem with me? And I was like, oh, don't worry, Jeannie. It wasn't you. They hate you because of me, and I knew it. Mm-hmm. And yet I was still defenseless. I still, they had to just ride right over top of me for so many years. And I'm just like. Oh, there was also the reform influence. Right? For sure. They wanted to stick to their own kind kind of thing. For sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was it was an abomination. When I told my mother I was dating Jeannie, it was like, no, Martin, no. I remember I was on the phone with her at Aaron Alehart's house. And I told her, well, where, but where are you, where are you going to church? And, and where does Jeannie go to church? What? Oh, they, they go to Ifri. No, my son. No, like this big melodramatic, like I had died or something. It was just like you. Well, but does she have a re? I was like, she believes in the Lord, but but does she have a reformed faith? Like, thankfully, no. You don't think I didn't deliberately choose <laughs> not to marry somebody from that church? <laughs> I was sitting there, and I was like, I was, you know, and, and they wanted me to go to these Bible studies with all these reform girls and I was like I know how this works I've seen how the game is played you all play sweet and then we get married and then the rope goes around the neck and you better behave because I'm a godly woman and I'm going to have a godly family and you stop acting like human beings who are having any amount of fun or pleasure in your life and they all come down like these tyrant witches and dominate their husbands and it's total rulership and I was like yeah, there's no way. I am not marrying a Dutch reform girl. No, 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 no. Yeah. And like I had settled on that while I was still in high school. There was no way. Uh-uh. <laughs> and I knew that they were it was just like it was just I knew one day I was going to have to marry somebody, you know. And and they told me, "You can't marry her." And I said, "Fine." You can't come to my wedding then. I think maybe. Didn't your mom like eventually was like, well, you have to send an invite to your parents. I sent them an invite. And they... It was just nothing but controversy and difficulty Mm. over over so many things. And I I understand how I would have been a difficult child to raise in some sense because I was thinking for myself as a human being and asking questions and questioning them. But if, if they had been reasonable, I don't think I would have been questioning them so much. But they really were just demanding that their children just convenient, like they were so naive. And you don't just raise children and just 
lazily expect them to be the thing you want them to be that's easy for you to understand and process. Mm. Like you had all these kids and you didn't expect it to be like challenging in some way. You didn't expect your children to have questions that would challenge you and your substance. Mm -hmm. Like children do that. They're you in some sense. So they got the inside scoop on who you are. <laughs> you know, and, and I, I remember this situation where I, I, had, I had holes in my pants. And I, I can understand how I would have been enraging to them. But I, I'll never forget that circumstance where I just wanted there to be some honesty for once. And they were like, those pants with holes, and they're, they're ungodly. And, and God doesn't, he, he doesn't want us to have holes in our jeans. And it was just, it was so religious. They didn't have anything to go with. And I was like, look, I understand. You don't want me to wear holes in my pants. And I live in your home. So just tell me not to wear the pants. And they were like, that's not the point. You have to understand it. Do you understand me? They're ungodly. Do you understand me? And I was like, no. I, like, it doesn't make any sense to me where I'm at. I'm honestly telling you, I don't get what you're talking about. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't believe that. But just tell me not to wear them, and I won't wear them anymore. It's your house. It's not a problem. <laughs> and, and eventually my dad just throws me on the floor and grabs the holes and rips them and he just about my toe hurt for a long time after that it just just whips me on the floor in a rage and starts tearing at my pants while i'm wearing them and ripping holes in them and my mom is screaming and, and it was just like they, they couldn't just be like oh okay then yeah don't wear those pants that was yeah or or look son you don't understand it now but you'll understand it one day like, why did I have to see it their way? Why was there that insistence on dominance? That's what I couldn't understand. Mm -hmm. And you were challenging that. Right. Yeah. And I wasn't being rebellious. I mean, I, I guess in a certain sense I was. But I, I, I was really trying to, like, tell them, it's, it's your house. I get it. I'm your child. I have to listen to you. I understand. But I don't understand your reasoning. It makes no sense to me. And, and still, I don't think it really makes any sense to me. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't see why they would have to. Why would you make an issue of that? Mm -hmm. Your kid's going to like Bible study. He reads his Bible. He isn't being a huge pain in the ass. Yeah. He has some holes in his pants. He has long hair. My dad had holes in his pants and long hair when he was a kid. Why wouldn't you just be like, oh, well, you know, like what was I going to do? Be some sort of like burnout who's wearing holes in his pants and long greasy hair till I was like 35 years old? What was the concern? Mm -hmm. But it was just this insistence on everything happening their way. And they got their way with all the other kids besides Sean, of course. All the other kids signed up for the program. And, and, and Julian and Laura, they were pissed off with my parents too for being difficult. But they all just, they, they, they're still in ownership though. So they really can't escape. Yeah. They have to just sit there and, all, and, and so many of you listening, I know you've had your family conflicts. Um, I, I've even talked to some of you that say you listen to these about your family conflicts and your parents. Why do you hate me? And, and, and you're, you're going to hell and just like all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and they, they're, just, they're just parents in the flesh demanding ownership mm -hmm. of the child. Mm -hmm. a lot ownership of, parents, of souls. A lot of parents don't do that. Right. But there, there, there is a, a... I don't remember my parents doing that kind of thing. Right. But there was still, 
there was still the the expectation that you shouldn't be expressing yourself and where you were at. And you just, just let's just visit and let's just play nice. Mm -hmm. You know, my dad, he wants to visit and we'll just not get into doctrinal matters. Right. And it's like, well then, like if we're not going to talk about the truth, if we're not going to discuss something and come to an agreement, if we can't be agreed, how can we walk together? And what are you going to talk about? And what are we going to talk about? Like, I got vaccinated. Okay, good. So now I have to watch you slowly die of something that you know damn well I would oppose. And I'm not allowed to talk about it. So, how's the weather over there? Gonna get the second and the third vaccine too? Hmm. Don't expect me to see you at your funeral. Well, I suppose it'd be dead, but I won't be showing up at your funeral. Let's put it that way. Why, why should I have to go through that? Yeah. You warn people, you try to instruct them, they don't believe you. Then they go ahead and do it. Yeah. And then they say, don't talk to me about it. Well, fine. I won't talk to you about anything then. See, you're, you're, we've experienced this conflict with our yes. parents, and yet we, we experienced the frustration, uh, and it was like a, 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 a crisis in conscience because we are trying to honor yes. parents, even in general society, whether you're Christian or not, they have this, this conviction, this doctrine, this custom tradition of children honoring parents. Right. right, but but here's here's where the problem really comes in, and that is that we've we've lived in this polite, politically correct society, mm -hmm. this culture, where we think we are obligated to really uh, defer to our parents uh, in in every way and everything, mm -hmm. and what we're realizing. Mm -hmm. Like my dad greatly withstood me. My mm -hmm. parents withstood me. My father withstood oh, me. Oh, my family, when, no question. When I became a believer. Yes. Greatly withstood me. Yes. Other people, friends of his, would come to me because I was buddies with their children. And they would tell me, Victor, your dad's been complaining about you and, and how you're just, you got religion and whatever. Mm -hmm. He knew what kind of a drunken whoremonger I was. Mm -hmm. And he says, he says, Nick, what the hell's the matter with you? Your, your, your son's got himself cleaned up. He doesn't drink anymore. He, mm -hmm. doesn't, he doesn't go running around. He's not on drugs. And you're complaining? What are you complaining about? Mm -hmm. You ought to be happy. Mm -hmm. You know, that's mm -hmm. what he was telling him. And I, I think I broke off somewhere where we were talking about my mother told me that it was dad. Um, the head, the head the, the, farmed the, the, off. Yeah. yeah. And, and I didn't believe that. I believed it was her. She didn't want to have me. And, and she really didn't, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know for sure, but right. But it was, I look back now and I see all the pieces here and I'm mm -hmm. thinking, yeah, that was him. Mm -hmm. He was just selfish, just straight out selfish. She didn't want to do this, didn't want to do that. And even if she had, had wanted that kind of thing, why wouldn't he stand there and say, look, that's my son. I'm not, I'm not gonna do that. Right. I want to be there for him. Right. That didn't happen. He couldn't give a damn. He really couldn't. Right. So. And and I remember times where, you know, my my. Oh, no, excuse me. Ahead. I got off track Go here. We we're we're realizing that there has to be an honest, decent, um, concerted effort on our part, a commitment on our part, mm -hmm. to say no to our parents. Yes. And it's not rebellion. No. 
It is cutting off that black influence that yes. comes from them. Yes. And we've had many people come to the path of truth who have had conflict with their parents. Their parents immediately came against me. Yes. I'm, I'm the jerk here. I'm the dirty, evil one, right? Mm -hmm. I'm the cult leader. Mm -hmm. I'm, the, I'm the heretic, right? The fanatic. Why? Because suddenly there's a division between the parents' unreality and the awakening of the children to some truth that's right. starting to set them free. Yes. And so immediately the parents come rushing in. Oh, absolutely. And get, get away from him. Yes. And it happened everywhere. I was always this lightning rod. Yes. Right? Now there, there are several parents, I, I shouldn't say several, but a few parents who are saying, well, I can't argue with the results that are happening in, my, in our kids' lives. Mm -hmm. It's good stuff. Mm -hmm. It's good happening. Mm -hmm. They're saying that, mm -hmm. right? And I had to go through the sewer trying to deal with a lot of these people and their problems that they got from their parents. Mm -hmm. I had to deal with the problems that their parents created. Mm -hmm. And they're going to blame me for, for messing up their lives, the kids' lives. Yeah, and, there's, and there's your mother and father. They still have not acknowledged a thing about how you've been helped through no my kidding. ministry, through my no, you know what they do instead? walk of faith. You know what they do instead? Well, I sure hope you're getting paid enough. Yeah. They're sitting there trying, yeah. to, trying to incite in their own son some sort of what? Uh, uh, bitterness yeah. or, or, or uh, what's the word? Covetousness? Yeah. Like, well, maybe I... And I'm thinking like, oh, so now I'm worth something? Right, yeah. Now yeah. I'm worth something? Yeah. Now I should be charging? I'm, you're, you're, wow, you're just so smart. I hope you're charging Victor enough. You're not getting taken advantage of, are you? <laughs> like, not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> Let me ask you, Mark. Are you getting paid enough? Oh. <laughs> it's not even a legitimate question to ask. Oh. <laughs> Jeannie's still waiting on her defender, so take it out with her. <laughs> Once a fancy new ride. No, um... Yeah, but that... But I'm getting paid infinitely. So yeah. you can't really quantify that. But my, my parents, no. And, and they, they, it's not like they don't know the sins that I brought forward and confessed. The sins that are... You know what? The you sin, had your life cleaned up. The, the sins that are in... Unbroken. Every last one of their households to this day. Yes. Every last one of them are still deep and dark in their sin. Absolutely. Of the darkest, evilest kinds. And there's no reason to believe otherwise. Right. No reason whatsoever. It, this is not a guessing game. Right. We understand the principles of truth, of righteousness and unrighteousness, and we know very well they're still in their darkness with all the works of darkness. Right. It's all there. And, and, and why? Even if it's subdued somehow, to some extent, right. suppressed a little bit, but just ready to break out anywhere it can if it get, ever well, gets the opportunity. It's there. The essence is there. If, if my sin. It's not just sins. Yeah. It's sin. Yeah, but if my, father's, if my father's a man of God, if he's a faithful preacher who served the Lord, then why is his inheritance uh, Parkinson's and then the drugs and the symptoms of the disease uh, leaving him to yeah. pornography and yeah. online gambling and, and, and my mother having to clean up after him? Yeah. Why is that the reward? Yeah. Is that the Lord's faithful reward for his prophets, for his yeah. diligent servants? Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and it was like that the whole time. He can blame it on the disease now. It was the whole time. Yeah, there's a scripture in there, many scriptures. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Yeah. There's that scripture. Yeah. Many scriptures, many. Uh, if my people... Well, no, there's another one I'm thinking of. Um, there's that one. There's another one I'm thinking of right now. None of these, di these diseases yeah. will I lay on you that I laid on the Egyptians. You keep my if commands. You keep, if you keep my commandments, right? None, right. none of these diseases. Right. But what, what kind of what, what kind of well done, good and faithful servant is that? To just be delivered over to your lusts. Right, right. Yeah, and the one that you mentioned there, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, right, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Right. Those are promises from, from the Lord. For sure. And these people who profess faith in Christ, they're all liars. Right. They're all just straight out liars. They're hypocrites. That's all they are. They're bullshitters. For sure. And they, they live a sham life. Yep. My family lived the sham life. They go to church. Yep. You have Easter and they mm -hmm. bless the eggs and bless, bless all this and that and the ham, the ham. The Easter ham of God. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. The, 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 the pig that gave his life for us, right? Right. You know, so you have Ham on Easter, yeah. and that's Asterisk, the, the 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 Queen of Heaven, the the, the sex goddess of fertility. Yep. This is who they worship. The whore of the heavens. And they're and they're going to condemn me for coming out of all of that horrible darkness yeah. and that wickedness, and that point, idolatry. And, and pointing people to the Lamb of God. Yeah. And they sit there and pork out on their ham. Exactly. Yes. And and and, and, and you know pray for the Lord to bless it. No kidding. Yeah, but yeah. The, the whole thing with it, holy water. It's it's and 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 my family with their 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 doctrine and and just they're just so full of themselves. That's the in one darkness. thing. They're all in darkness. But they're they're my family in particular. My family in yeah. particular. And I would I, I, I would I've seen that arrogance, yeah. and not just with your family there in the reform circles. I have seen an arrogance there that I've not seen in other in other religious circles. Yes. A special brand. Just like they, haughty they are, and evil. That's John Calvin. Yes. John Just Calvin Spear. Pure evil. Yeah. And and it doesn't matter to to the And I despise those smiles that you see on them. You know, like suddenly when they find out that you profess faith, you see their countenance change. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Oh you're a Christian, yes. Mm. Yeah. Suddenly, suddenly they change from from this ordinary worldly person to this angel. Yeah. Right. And you can almost see the wings flapping. Uh huh. Right. For sure. You see the halo. It's yeah. very, pretty subtle, but it's it's there. The wings flap, and you hear this noise, and it's like. Yeah, angels, angels, choir, in the background. It just sounds like a bunch of flies. That's what it is. It's and I've seen that with a lot of reform people. At the same time, they still have that ability to be um, schizophrenic. They can be very angelic towards you and despise you at the same time. Right. They still despise you. And, and, and you can feel it. You can see absolutely. it. Absolutely. And that's my, that's my like mother. I'm your superior. That's my and, mother. And you're, you're, you're in error. I'm righteous. Yep. We're talking Christ, yes. We're talking mm -hmm. the Bible, yes. But I'm righteous. And you're, you're just a... 
You're just a heretic. You're just another heathen. Mm -hmm. And that is my mother. Oh, just, yeah, well, son, no, you don't, uh, don't use that, uh, well, yeah. it's just, just too bad you didn't turn out as righteous as I am. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and, and it, she'll, she'll kind of, they kind of have to admit that some of the things you're saying might be true. But you don't have to say them like that, and you don't need to make a big deal, and it's not yeah. for everybody, yeah. and you just, yeah. sh just shut your face. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. We don't want to hear from you. Yeah. Don't talk to us about yeah. it. And it, it's, a, it's a very unpleasant experience. So I, I, I think I, there's so much more that we could talk about. So much more. We could, we could go on, and I don't know how long we, we should be. Or Kill a second cell phone battery. We're almost there. We're almost there? Yeah. yeah so no. so uh, there, there is more, and I think we should say more, but not, not, not at this time. But I just want to come around to, to the, the basic theme, the essential theme of this talk, mm -hmm. and that is that we've come to turn things around so that our fathers do mm -hmm. not prevent us when we step out in faith. Mm -hmm. We need to warn everybody to say, look, and my song, mm -hmm. what, I, I, I did that verse to you today, mm -hmm. right? Which was it again? Um, your folks may say mm -hmm. they have the answer, Mm -hmm. Your peers will say that they've arrived, mm -hmm. but they're the ones that'll really hurt you. I wrote that back in seventies, mm -hmm. in the seventies. Mm -hmm. But they're the ones that'll really hurt you with the love that they've contrived. Contrived, absolutely, totally contrived. And you know, when I wrote that, what, forty-four years ago or whatever, forty-five, forty-six, I, I honestly didn't comprehend those mm -hmm. words. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I had the, 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 the makings of it, mm -hmm. but I, I really didn't have the kind of understanding that I've come to have of those words and so many other words in my songs. Mm -hmm. my, my songs, there are so many things there that are, they are prophetic. That's all there is to it. Mm -hmm. They're there. They have deep meaning and people can sing them and it doesn't really mean anything to them. Mm -hmm. But the, the the gospel, the doctrines, the, the, the wonders of, of heaven and salvation, uh, peace, uh, and then, power, and victory, then, it's all there. And the number one opposition is the flesh. It's your family. Your family. That's right. And that's why Jesus talks about that in, mm -hmm. in, in uh, Matthew chapter who are 10 my mothers and, and other brothers, places. But those who hear the word of the Lord and do it. Amen. Amen. And you know, the, uh, we, we still being humans. Right. And there's the world that we live in, right? And then there's the satanic forces. Mm -hmm. They try to keep you in the mm -hmm. dark. They try to, that's their job is to try and keep you back there. Mm -hmm. And you have to come through. And, and what we have to say to the people, so many people, there's, there's uh, people that come to the path of truth now and, and mm -hmm. who are with us and in touch with us. They've had their battles with their parents and their parents are saying, don't have anything to do with them. Don't have anything to do with Victor. You can have a Bible, you can go to mm -hmm. church, do what you want, but whatever you do, don't have anything to do with Victor. Why is that? Well, because if somebody has something to do with you, something, uh, somebody has something to do with the light, you may never regain control of them again. Once, one, uh, what I can tell you from my experience is that, you know the scripture, I'll, I'll give you butter and honey to eat so that you'll know the evil. Mm -hmm. to, to know, to discern between good and evil. I never knew. I never knew the darkness I was raised in. Right. I, I would say that the first tasting of it was when I met Jeannie's parents. 
and they had some natural affection for me. Mm -hmm. You know, and then there was just coming uh, uh, into the Lord's family. And you and Marilyn as my parents and some actual love and concern and guidance and my parents never asked me how I felt or thought about anything or there was there was nothing zero but you don't know any of that you're just raised in it and you learn how to survive it mm -hmm. and that's it mm -hmm. and you you and you might think that you shouldn't be expecting any more than that from them maybe they just didn't know any better kind of thing but that's that's not true. It's not in true. In the world, you see, that's right. A big difference. Never and mind in Christian circles. And and here they are professing faith. Yes. And that's, and that's that's adding synthesis. Talk the, about. And and then he's a pastor. Yeah. And he's just going to presume to be so righteous. And oh, you have to understand this historical context, and you have to. Yeah, the knowledge, uh, the pomposity. Oh, the and and my mom with her her like I said, it's that that intellectual pomposity, and then this just like sloppy, whorish love. Yeah. Mixed with total contempt. Yeah. Like like the time yeah. I told her, you know, that the kingdom of God is here. It's being established. Yeah. And she said, well, son, I don't hear any trumpets. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, can you hear the trumpets now? Because if this isn't the day of judgment for you, what is? No kidding. Now the whole world knows. Yeah. yeah. Because you wouldn't humble yourself. Yeah, that's right. And that's when the day of judgment comes, when people least expect it. That's right. Comes, comes like a thief, a thief in the, in the night. Because I didn't intend for any of this. Yeah. I didn't have this on the agenda. Right. Neither did I. <laughs> Neither did I. But, but here I'm, it is. And I'm with more to come. Martin. With more to come. And I'm... I'm God willing. I was going to say, by the grace of God, I'll never have anything to do with them again. And just the thought of that is so liberating mm. to not be hunted down by them mm. yeah but to and actually an just an end to those dreams yeah just to turn and face them and just say i will have nothing to do with you yeah right what, what, what does it say there from such turn away yeah amen and that includes your especially your family absolutely from such turn away get away from them That's and right. i'm just having a form of godliness denying yeah. the power thereof <coughs> from such turn away and, and what do i have to do with you what about gideon Right. What's that example all about? God commanded Gideon to, to tear down his father's altars, mm -hmm. images. His idols. Yes, his, his idols. Destroy the objects of his idolatry. And Gideon was afraid. Right. He was afraid, understandably. That was his father. Right. He had respect for his father. But even his father called off the, the, the wrath of the town. Right. He had some natural right. affection. Which reminds me, we were at a charismatic meeting. Catholic charismatic meeting in Dauphin in 1977 and and I, I, I brought up some things from the scriptures mm -hmm. and one of the things that I brought up was that the wives submit to the husbands mm -hmm. because they were complaining like my husband doesn't want me to, 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 to come to these meetings right I says well if, if your husband doesn't want you to come to these meetings then you shouldn't come you should obey your husband you should submit to your husbands and in unison, this was amazing. In, in unison, there may be what, 15 people, 20 people somewhere in there in the room? Women. Mm -hmm. Women, yeah. And my father. Okay. No way! It was a shout. No way! That's the way it was. It just bowled me out of my chair. Yeah. It was crazy. All at once. Every, 
this this wasn't rehearsed. Right. They, they they didn't plan this, and I sure didn't. Yeah. And it happened. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And Dad was right in there with them. And then they started arguing with me and saying this, that, and the other. And my dad was standing on their side, arguing with me, putting me down. Mm -hmm. That hurt. Mm -hmm. That hurt. This was four years after I became a believer. This mm -hmm. was just after my brother's uh, uh, funeral. Mm -hmm. And there he was, standing with the enemy against me. Of course, mm -hmm. he was with the enemy. I'm supposed to what? Not consider that I have to turn away from all of those people that he is no longer counted as my father mm -hmm. and mother. They are no longer counted that way. They are in the world. You leave the world. What did Paul say? I'm crucified unto the world mm -hmm. and the world unto me. That means you're dead. You're finished there. Mm -hmm. You're done with your parents. Mm -hmm. You're done with them. I'm, I'm finished. Yeah. I have no interest. And this is a major message that we need to bring forth to all those people that come. I've tried to compromise. I've said, well, whatever you do, you know, try and honor your parents, try and honor them wherever you can, whatever else. And I, uh, it's true. It's true. Like if they're not ask, asking anything indecent or, mm -hmm. or, or immoral or, or wrong from you, then, then all right, honor wherever you can. Mm -hmm. Give honor to whom honor is due. You know, even the authorities, they're not believers. Mm -hmm. But you honor them and you honor the law of the land. You honor these things. Mm -hmm. But... I think there has to be, I know, there has to be this emphasis where, you know, your parents, once mm -hmm. the Lord calls you out, they're part of the world, you, you're called out from, from the world. Think not that I come to bring peace, mm -hmm. I come not to bring peace, but a sword to divide, to, to divide father, from father son, and son. Mother-in-law from yeah. daughter-in-law. That's right. That's, that's what has to happen. And, 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 and people like, I, I won't mention any names here this time. But people that are coming out from, 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 from the world and, and listening to what's being said at the Path of Truth, mm -hmm. they start to get conflict with the parents. Mm -hmm. Don't let there be a conflict between the truth and the parents. Mm -hmm. You be faithful to the truth. Mm -hmm. You obey the truth no matter what your parents say. Mm -hmm. No matter what they say. That's mm -hmm. the way it is. Mm -hmm. and, and it's going to be turning around so that we're going to be teaching people to forsake their earthly fathers for their heavenly father. You see, it was Adam who forsook his heavenly father and followed his wife. Mm -hmm. They went their way, did their mm -hmm. thing, through the influence of he the chose, serpent. He chose the flesh. Yes, he did. Over the father. Yeah. And now it's his business, his, his duty, his calling, to turn around yes. and stop following his wife mm -hmm. and turn back to the Lord and believe his word and obey it. That's what has to happen. It has to be a complete reversal. Yeah. How are you going to have a complete reversal if you're still going to be listening to your parents or any other influences? I don't care who they are, but especially parents, people that you came from. Right. Right? How are you going to be turning around completely if you aren't walking away from your parents? Even, even, even in, in the best of times, the Lord says, uh, for this cause shall a man leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife, right? right? So uh, even there, you're supposed to be walking away from your parents uh, to what? Propagate future mm -hmm. generations? For sure, and it was the community that came and stoned somebody to death, right? All the Israelites yeah. gathering yeah. stones yeah. and 
taking care of business, and sometimes that was their own family. Yeah, that's right. It wasn't partial. That's right. And and I can say that 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 this hasn't been about airing dirty laundry for the sake of airing dirty laundry. There's lots of mistakes and errors that are forgiven and forgotten mm -hmm. and moved on with. Mm -hmm. But the reason is because those persons, hum those people humbled themselves. I, I know just with, with my in-laws, even, even the first time, the first real conversations I, I'd met with my father-in-law, he was not unwilling to admit his mistakes. Mm -hmm. He just, he just kind of like felt dumb for making these mistakes and wanted to warn me not to make those mistakes. And, mm -hmm. and, and my parents, aside, like you say, from some general admission, were never wrong. There was never any concession. There was never coming yeah. to me and being like, I shouldn't have done that. I really, I didn't have to make an issue you, of you that. You were born to a couple of brats that never grew up. Amen. And they had to, they had yep. to have their way. They had to have everything their way. We've run into a few people yep. that have come to us and they can never be told no. Yes. Never. They will never accept any difference, any, any disagreement from anyone uh, to anything that they want. Right. And once they've wanted it, they stick to that want. Right. They stick to that whatever it is they want. They will never let go of that. They, it's, a, it's a sickness. It's a, it's a disease right. of some kind. Spiritual it's, just, disease. It's, it's demon possession. It is demon they've, possession. They've, they've, they've given their whole lives over to devils because yeah. the devils have offered them some cheap pleasure, some cheap reward. And brought into that bondage that they can't escape. Right. Except through faith in Jesus Christ. Confession of sin. Right. Yeah. And, and until then, they're, they're... Our enemies. Yeah, they're our enemies. They're dead and they're our enemies. And they're, they're not... And we need to count them as our enemies. This is, this is maybe the, that's the, the message. That's the message. Yeah. That's level two. That's right. Because it's like, that's how I feel. What do I have to do with them? And I'm saying that there's another level yet, and I'm talking about a universal thing that's happening here. Yes. Just like Marilyn ended up being the, the second Eve, right. the turnaround in the, in the Garden of Eden, and Satan being right. defeated. Yeah, people, right? people have to be willing to draw the battle lines. Yes, that's right. And, and it's war. Yeah. And... Yeah, and the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Yes. And the violent take it by storm. And you have to mean business, otherwise you won't make it. You yeah, have to mean business or you won't make it. And, and essentially, I, I think that's a, a good way to sum it up because that's what this has been. I admit that this is a violent, ugly thing in a certain yes. sense to do yeah. to your family and your parents. Yeah. I know full well that I'm killing them. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I totally get it. Yeah. But they're worthy of death. Yeah, exactly. They, they have just. They have How no much time have they had? How much opportunity yes. have they had to demonstrate some <laughs> kind of kindness yeah. or or concession? And I'm not bragging about patience on our part or whatever. Right. The Lord, the Lord has laid all this out. Right. It's His doing. Right. Yeah. But they they can't humble themselves and thank you. Right. For 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 helping me and communicating with me and teaching me and correcting me where they completely failed uh, and, and, and in fact taught me to do evil. Right, yeah, and tolerated evil. For sure. Happening all around you, doing evil themselves, and they're going to condemn the Lord. Right, and there's no, they can't hear any truth about anything. Right. They just, they hate Jesus Christ. Absolutely. And, and I, I, I think you've said it to me before, and it's the only way that I can understand it, is that the Lord had his, the Lord laid his claim on me. 
Yep. This one's mine. Yep. Amen. And they're like, to hell with that noise. That's He's right. ours. That's right. And there's been a war. That's right. Absolutely. A and war in the heavens. And that's what those dreams were as a child, because those were no ordinary dreams. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't believe you're going to have those dreams anymore, Martin. Well, I'll be quite thankful for that, because they kind of ruin your sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Running all night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No more torment. No, no more, more torment. We're, we're routing the enemy. That's what we're yeah. doing. We're routing the powers of darkness. Yeah. I'm finished. I'm Amen. at peace with it. Lord, thank you for this. Yes. Thank you. It sounds like we've been just laying a bunch of crap and, you know, contrary to to being nice and all that. Mm -hmm. But these things have to be said. They have to be addressed. These people mm -hmm. need to be addressed. That's what's going on. And and, and I, have, I think I have one more thing to say. Do we have enough battery to say it? Because I want to say something to Chris. Mm -hmm. You're full of crap, too. You yeah. come here. Yes. You'll 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 be open about some selfishness because you can't help but have your conscience pricked, and you pretend to be some sort of new woke human being. You'll hear the things I have to say. Right. But do you do anything with them, or do you just go back into your world? I'll tell you things. You know they're undeniably true. I'm telling you the facts. Does it go anywhere? Do you care about me? Do you care about anyone? You're still perfectly selfish because you won't humble yourself and submit to the truth. You just won't give up your life. And so you have to make these replacement offerings where you make some admissions and try to get clean about some things. But you're full of crap. And, and the reason I bring it up is because mom and dad basically left you to raise me in many ways. And you were an evil, evil father to me. And, and you were contemptuous and selfish. And, and I know we've, we've discussed that to some extent, and I'm not holding it against you, but you are still that way, perfectly so. Uh, you know what, I, I would think that maybe you can reverse that statement there a little bit, or in a certain respect. Right. That you're not holding anything against the Lord's holding it against them. Right, it's not like a... And if you're going to stand with the Lord, then you'll be in agreement I'm not sitting here being eaten up by a bitterness. That's right, that's right. But it is an offense that yeah. is held against you. Yeah. And the Lord said, if people repent right. and confess, he'll forgive. And there's no repentance here. He that's right. Yeah, you just go back to your life, and, and you maybe you try to make a few mild adjustments. But unless you leave all that behind, you're toast. Yeah. Yeah. Just toast. And, and I, unless, unless the light shines from east to west, and you come with submission to the truth that we preach, I have nothing to do with you. I'm finished. Amen. Because anything else is just opposition and darkness. The Lord talks about shaking the dust. For sure. Off your shoes. For sure. Right? Haven't you been there long enough? And, and, and what, what good is some idle small talk or exchange of photographs going to do? Why, why bother keep the, the relationship on life support? That's their insistence. That's that their insistence. Exactly. In their and I don't have any interest in it. At all. It's, it, it, first of all, it's completely boring and pointless. And second of all, it's just like you say, it's just leaving, it's like leaving a rotten relationship on life support for no reason. Yeah. When it can just be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. pull the plug. And that's what's happening here. Yeah. There's nothing left to say. Yeah. Creation is a bitter pill to, to waste, waste and, and throw, throw away. away. And, that's, and that's what's happened here. My parents and my brother, 
have totally thrown out creation, totally thrown out the yes, goodness. absolutely. Just walk away from it, and that's it. Yet go and do your thing. Right. There's nothing left to say. Yeah. Uh, my, my producer is, 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 is helping me out here and there, and those were words that, that he gave. Yeah. And uh, they're prophetic. Yeah. He, he doesn't even know it. I don't know that he knows it. I don't right. think he does. And I've, I've written them. I've said, John, these words are prophetic. Mm -hmm. And I'm very thankful to have him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. It might sound unreasonable, but what we're saying is now, it's our way or the highway. Yes. It's the Lord's way. Yeah, it's the Lord's way. His reign, His yeah. power. And, and, and I guess you get with the program or your toast. No let up, no compromise. That's right. No ifs, ands, or buts. Forget this it. This is it. Forget it. This is it. No more, no more fellowship with darkness. Yeah. No more countenancing or patience or tolerance. And let's see who's right and who's wrong. Let's see it. Right. The Lord will make himself known. Yeah. Amen. Lord, do what you have to do with everybody listening here. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I'm asking you to manifest yourself, to, to deal with all this wickedness, to get rid of it once for all. Father, thank you. Thank you. Not our will, not our will, not our will, but yours be done. Whatever it takes. Amen. 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 So, I, I guess, I guess I thought I was done, and so we're going to add this to the uh, the end of the other video, as if it wasn't long enough. Um, I've struggled long and hard with all of this, genuinely, not not knowing exactly what to do with it. I know that uh, for most. It will just appear to be an airing of dirty laundry, and that's the expression everybody uses. Um, but you know, that's how you freshen things up. These things have to be addressed. And there's a scripture, I, I think it's in Matthew, it's in at least maybe multiple Gospels, where it says, if you've offended against your brother, to grab a hold of them quickly, right? Like, take care of it before he gets you dragged off to court. And there were so many of these subjects that I've discussed that um, that I tried to address, I tried to talk about. And, and let me be perfectly clear about something. It's not like I was some perfect individual. It's not like I was right about everything and my horrible family was so wrong about everything. It, it's not like that. It's that nothing was ever addressed. Nothing. It took, it took a long time for me to deal with, um, just deal with, it, with knowing how to see it. Um, I think a lot of people will conclude that, uh, that you know, I, I joined a cult and didn't want to talk to my family anymore. And it was really quite the opposite. Uh, I had nothing, I, I remember one time I was working in my backyard and uh, 
I got a call from my dad and uh, it was just an accident. He had meant to call my brother and, and they were going camping. <laughs> um, and it was just this totally dead conversation. There was nothing to talk about. There was nothing to say. The relationship was dead. Um, when I had my, my last two children, I had twins, not a single family member. I, I, I believe I, uh, my dad, I talked to him once and, uh, and my mom dropped by. So this would be more exclusively my siblings. But I, I sent out an email. I notified them that there was trouble, uh, that we got um, my, my youngest daughter airlifted to Calgary and just let them know what was going on and then I had to, you know, then I had to go to Calgary and stayed there for two weeks. And, uh, and none of them, they didn't even send a, a, a baby card, a, a gift, not a note, not a nothing, zero. There was nothing from any, any of them. And yeah, not even a phone call, there was nothing, zero. They didn't call me while I was up there by myself. There was no support. There was nothing. And I want to emphasize that because the family that I grew up in was stone cold, dead, selfish. And I know that I was one of them. I'm not saying that I wasn't one of them. The Lord took me out of that. He, he gave me something to live for. But I, I, I know still, not that I'm boasting of my virtue, but that the Lord had set me apart and was giving me things. Um, that growing up, I could see this, this dead, blatant hypocrisy, this contradiction. There were so many times with my mother where I was so confused, and my father was, you have to listen to your mother, even if she's wrong. Um, but it was just this reign of insanity in the house. There was never... Um, there was never justice. And both out of my mother's lips and my father's lips, life's not fair. Life is fair. The Lord is perfectly sovereign over everything. And I think so many children are raised up in this world. And their parents, you know, they, they, they use the law. They use, oh, you know, my mother would say, honor your mother and father. You, know, you have to honor your mother and father, Martin. And there she was, Satan herself, wielding the law as a weapon, usurping the law of God and using it for her own selfish advantage. Just totally repulsive. And, and, and my father doing the very same thing, stating that life wasn't fair instead of making it fair, instead of being executors of justice. But that wasn't where it was at. And, and if I brought up the fact that my siblings didn't call or do any, there was nothing. There was nothing. It was only when the Lord came into my life that, that I knew I had to confess my sins and apologize to my family, which I did, only to their dismay, because some of the things I confessed incriminated them. So they were upset with me for getting clean and getting right and being cleansed. They were angry with me because there was no way of confessing my sins without including all the dastardly deeds my brothers were guilty of. There was no way. And it wasn't my intention. I wasn't harping on those things. I was apologizing. But just the idea of any light being shone in our family was hated. Meanwhile, meanwhile, my father is all bitter and, and angry and, 
you know, to some extent you can understand, but when he was a pastor in the church, he tried to deal with uh, all kinds of sexual sin in the church, and they hated him for it, and they, and they basically hoofed him out, because he was guilty of it, and all of his children, every last one of them, maybe not Lorian, but I know all the brothers were for a fact. And, uh, but just total evil, the corruptest, just disgusting, ugly sin. That's what was in his own household. No wonder he suffered the fate he did. Just a, a bloody hypocrite. That's what you are, John Van Popta. You're a bloody hypocrite. Satan, a liar, a destroyer. And all you can think of is your own selfish lust. And that's another thing I want to cover. Both my parents. They're not after doing the right thing. They're not after having a clean conscience. They're after justifying themselves while they seek out their pleasure. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter if it's a nice dinner or, or getting on an airplane again and leaving your children and going and visiting and being all chazelic and just drinking beers with your brothers in BC or whatever it happens to be or you're camping. But it's always about the next pleasure. And you didn't afford your children nearly the pleasure you afforded yourself. There was no problem for, for, for wing night and date night and all of that stuff every week. Was there, was there any money to cover, what, a tiny ice skating fee for your children to go play? I, I played hockey with a few schoolmates. We had to cover that. I had to scrounge around for equipment. I had to walk to the rink myself. And I, and I, know, I know what it sounds like. It sounds like I'm bitter about all these things because I was so mad back then and, and now I'm finally letting it all out because I haven't forgiven them. And that's not what's happening. Back then, I didn't even see any of it as an offense. I was just so in it, so used to receiving nothing from my family that I didn't even expect anything. I didn't even know how to give it to my family because I never got it myself. This isn't the bitterness of years past accumulating and pouring out. This is me finally waking up and realizing that you're just loveless, selfish people. You know, just, just, <laughs> I, I remember one time, you know, uh, uh, in our family, all the kids kind of got a gift here and there at Christmas. And, uh, and I remember one of my gifts, it was a digital watch. And, and it, was such a, it was such a sorrow to receive this watch. Because it was way too big. I mean, anybody should have known it was too big. My mother should not have been buying this giant watch for me. It, it didn't even, it was covered like my whole wrist and more. It was ridiculous. And I already had a watch. I thought, why is she buying me a digital watch? I had even said I like analog watches better as a child. But never mind that. Because it was $2 in a discount bin. And I had seen it in the store in a discount bin. And she picked it up and decided to, to, to just buy it as a present for me. And it was just garbage. You know, and I had to go through the pain of being like, well, I don't know, it doesn't fit me. And, and try to get her to return it and buy me another present. But I knew it was going to be awkward because she couldn't trade it for something more expensive. Because it was worth nothing. It was just this constant cheapness and selfishness. Meanwhile, they lived extravagantly. There was always snacks and, and, and her own, well, like I mentioned, the Sprite. There was always pleasures for them. There was always the, 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 
affording of time for their pleasure, affording of resources for their pleasure, but not for ours. Did, did you think my parents ever came and just watched me play hockey at the rink? Not a chance. It was just wasn't even in the picture. I didn't even know it should be in the picture. And I just grew, you, you, when you're in it, you don't know. And I'm saying these things because there's so many people out there that have these parents that are living totally selfishly and should never have had children in, in a certain sense. They're, they're certainly not qualified or, or capable or even desirous of being parents. And you have parents like this and, and you just accept it. I mean, kids can get used to being beaten and raped, you know, so you can certainly get used to just being neglected. And then you kind of grow up and you don't know what to give or, or, or do for other people. And you just remain in that darkness. And then you find yourself justifying your parents. So I come to be a believer. I confess my sins. And then it, you know, that kind of partially opens the door for maybe my parents to visit. But then there's this conflict because, well, their son is saying things that they don't believe. And I was being very straightforward of what, what the Lord was teaching me. Finally expressing an interest in spiritual things. Finally getting clean of all the sins I inherited from my parents. You're the ones, by the way, who, who gave all of us children your problems. It was in you. It was all the things you didn't address and get honest with. You passed them to us. Just pass the buck. Just dump it on us. And then when the Lord starts cleaning it up, when I have other people in my life come along, Victor and Marilyn, come along and teach and instruct and actually raise me and love me and nurture me, you find fault with them? After they direct me to be reconciled with you? Otherwise, I would have just stuck with what, what Jeannie had to say. You know, get the hell off the property. I remember my father asking me if, if Jeannie had been baptized as a child because it's such a big deal for Reformed people. Their big idolatry of baptism as though it saves a person when it's just an outward sign. And they'll admit it, but they won't live without it. It has to be enforced. And they're, and they're totally wrong about all of it. And, and they baptize as infants, right? Because infants are being cleansed from their sins somehow. It, it's, they, I think the Reformed people act like it's a replacement of circumcision, which it isn't at all. Um, but anyway, and he asked if Jeannie had been baptized, and then he did this sermon for my, my nephew's baptism. And it was just so brutal. I just remember Jeannie sitting next to me, cringing and, and feeling like crap, as my dad just went on like some self-righteous jerk about, you know, infants being baptized. And just, it was like he was weaponizing his pulpit. With no consideration. I remember Julian and Laura complaining to me that uh, they didn't want to have the Canadian Reform thing going on in their wedding. And my dad straight out pulls the, the wedding form, the boring-ass wedding form you have to hear every time you get married, like it's some sort of bureaucratic institution. Total garbage. You think my father had any use for them? No. It's your way or the highway. That's my parents. They're going to have their way. They're going to have their pleasure. They're going to do their thing. And all the children can shut up and worship them. And they have no thought. Why do you think your oldest son won't talk to you? Because you just couldn't let him be. You just had to have things your way. 
And if you couldn't have things your way, well, then, then you'll just execute your son. You'll just chase him to the hills and then blame it on him. And you two, you're perfectly responsible. John and Benita Van Popta, you are responsible for Sean, for that torment. It was your fornication. And, and Dad, your, your abusive and ignorant, immature methods of parenting. That's what led to this. That's what led to Sean. And, and, and now, look, you've lost your oldest, and now you've lost your youngest. How many more do you need to lose? When will you learn your lesson? You're evil people. Evil people. And I want nothing to do with you. Just total selfishness. You're Satan. That's what's, that's what's happening here. You're just straight up Satan. You are, you are the earthly father of this world. And that's what so many parents are. And their children are sitting there trying to, you want to honor your parents. They raised you. They keep telling you they love you. But then they're manipulating you and trying to control you. And I'm not saying all parents out there are evil. But I can tell you that, that certainly in my experience, but all of these other people who are coming to us, and, and, and they're in their parents' homes, living in their basements, and their parents have, have just left them unsupervised and uninstructed, undisciplined. And, and these children are presumptuous and careless and lost and confused. And they start wandering around the internet and God in his infinite mercy meets them and starts showing them a few truths by us through Victor and what he has had to say. Sound counsel to repent and clear up sin. And the first enemy is the parents. Straight across the board. It, it almost doesn't matter who I'm talking about. The parents have been the number one opposition. Operating in Satan's seat. Wielding the law. Telling these children that family is so important. And you have to honor your mother and father after all. Totally ignoring the scriptures. Who are my mother and my brothers? But those who hear the word of God and do it. What do I have to do with you, woman? But you come and you possess your children. You won't enter into the kingdom. And you prevent others from entering also. And I've had to come to the place where, where I see the two options. Either I'm just a, a brat, a whiner, a thankless jerk who sees everything the wrong way. Or you people are evil. And, and I, I, have, I have so thoroughly gone over the first one. And tried to change my perspective. You know, so I received you into my home. And then I came to the place where, man, I cannot stand you people anymore. You're so selfish and darkened. And, and, and then I, I come back around and it's like, okay, well, you know, I was selfish and darkened. So who am I to, to condemn? So, you know, I, I apologize for that. And I let you come back again. I, and I... Even while you're here, it's like, like what am I doing? Is, am I honoring my parents? And what for? Uh, I'm, I'm serving you this food and we give each other a hug, but like, we don't have anything to do with each other. And so I get some awkward texts here and there and a few niceties and, you know, like, oh, sure, wish I could have a cup of coffee with you. Why? So we can talk about nothing? 
You know, and I see that, that it's, it's only your goal to have me. I said a long time ago, you just need me on the shelf in your collection. You don't have any real interest in me. It's just about having the full set of children in a row. Yep, we raised them and we're, we're, we did a good job. And, and yeah, we, have good, we technically have a relationship with all of them, even though we only preferred to have a relationship with a few of them. And that's the way you were. You wouldn't discipline Reuben. You just left him to be however he wanted to be. Never enforced anything. You wouldn't get to, bo to the bottom of matters as children. If there was an injustice between, you wouldn't seek to understand. You just get angry that there was any inconvenience in your life. And, you know, seems like a petty thing. Right? I remember one time, I, uh, I legitimately found some money, went and bought a yo-yo. My brother Julian, who was just a covetous, selfish jerk, completely so, enslaved by money, enslaved by it, number one idol. I don't think, as far as he's concerned, money is all that matters. And uh, so he just took it from me and claimed that it was his. And after all, why should I have any money? And he had money, so it was far more likely that he bought it. So he just took it. And, and my, I think it was my, my mother, she just came and was just like, I, I don't want to hear it, like, just be quiet. And my dad sided with him, and it was just like, that was it. There wasn't any justice. I was trying to speak out, I was trying to say something, there was no getting to the bottom of anything. And I know people will say, well, parents get things wrong sometimes. It's not easy. But there wasn't an effort. There was no investigation. There was no questioning. There was no... It was just a total inconvenience that any of your children should ever have a problem. You didn't spend time teaching and instructing us. Nothing. You just expected us not to be an inconvenience to you. And frankly, most of us really weren't you know, I mean, there were the fires and the theft and, and all that. But we just, I, I, our whole childhood was about trying to make sure that we weren't around our parents. And ask the other brothers, that's, that's exactly what it was. How can we not be around our parents? How can we run off into the woods and start a fire? When are mom and dad going to go to the gym so that we can do the things that they tell us not to? How can we sneak some gasoline and go play with fire? Oh good, our parents are in BC again, leaving us with some babysitter or no one. You know? I was, I was writing my, my university papers for my first semester, and my whole family just disappeared. They left. 17 years old, gone to university early, first semester, first semester finished and I'm writing my exams. My dad ups and leaves because he's having a nervous breakdown, because he's feeling sorry for himself, because he can't just stand up and, and say what he needs to say. And the reason he can't is because he's a hypocrite. He's guilty of the very things he was accusing people of. That's why he was powerless. That's why you were, you were humiliated. And, uh, and so, so he's off, and then my mom's a basket case, so... She's pretty useless. She just spends all day crying in her room and then eventually goes off to be in a cabin with him. 
And then my brother leaves and my sister's gone and, and just everybody's gone. So I'm 17 years old and I'm left in a house. And, and it, like, it wasn't like there was a bunch of meals made for me or something. It was like, I, I, was, I was just finding like wieners in the freezer and cooking them in a frying pan and putting them on a slice of bread folded over it. And, and, and <laughs> drinking the, the half-finished beer in the basement. Nobody was around. How bizarre is that? Think of these things. If you're a parent, if you're listening to this, and, and maybe you're a, a relative or a friend of my family, and you're wondering what I'm going on about, listen to me. Would you do that to your children? You know, I remember my, my, my other, uh, uh, my, my friend, the parents would go and they'd go to the Coaldale food market and put 500 bucks on tab. And, and then if he needed to go get groceries, he could just go there and get whatever he needed. And that took care of him while the parents were gone on some cruise or something. But there wasn't even any of that. There was no thought or instruction. It was like, okay, well, yeah, bye. And I was 17. It's madness. I look at it now and I'm thinking like, my daughter's 13 right now. In four years, I'm just like, well, you're on your own. <laughs> Going to university. It's crazy. And so, it, it, it took me a long time to get offended, is, is basically what I wanted to tell people. It took me a long time to take the time to just be offended by the gross evil of all of this. The gross selfishness. To, to resent a child for repenting and coming clean. Something that you never offered that child. You had no solution for me. There I was, bound in my confusion, in all of your false doctrines, in, in, in arrogance and selfishness, in sin. And the Lord came into my life, and the first thing that you could do is oppose it. And, and, and just, just all the, the virtue signaling. Well, well, when, you know, I've had my, my parents, well, when we raised our children, we just wanted to make sure they had a relationship with the Lord. And, and yeah, you know, it, you might believe different things, but I think maybe you have a relationship with the Lord, but Victor's a, yeah, he's a fraud, and, and make sure you're not, oh, don't do anything for him for free. Make sure you're getting paid, and, and oh, don't get taken advantage of him. Don't get taken, you know, don't, scary. You were the ones taking advantage of me. You were the ones controlling me. You were the ones who, who could never listen or hear. You had a son getting, getting more and more frustrated and exasperated. All I wanted to do was be away from you. I didn't intend for that to happen. And ask Jeannie. I wasn't like, to hell with my family. I never want to talk to them again. I told her the things that happened because they confused and, and obviously were hurtful, although I couldn't, I wasn't even feeling it at the time. But I was never writing all of you off. It was never about throwing a big fit and leaving you. I should have. I'm sorry that I didn't. I should have gotten it over a long time ago. 
But I was so in the dark. And, and now it's all so clear. This is the, the perfect example of choosing the heavenly father instead of the earthly father. How can I possibly honor you? How can I even think of honoring you while you curse the Lord Jesus Christ? You have no use for him. You hate him when he speaks. You justify yourself in your sin. The commandment to honor mother and father, it, it just doesn't apply to people who hate the Lord Jesus Christ. Why should somebody who hates the Lord Jesus Christ have any honor coming to them? Like, what can I possibly do with you? Can we sit down and, and look at pictures on a cell phone together? I can do that with any of my customers that come in the store. And frankly, we have more in common. You hate the Lord. I love the Lord. We can't walk together. There can't be anything in common. I, I used to think that the, the scripture, if you're not willing to hate mother and father, you're not worthy of me. I always thought it was just Jesus. And, and I know my father even preached it about that in other circumstances. Well, Jesus was just speaking in hyperbole. It was just hyperbole. I mean, it's not really talking about hating them, but, you know, comparatively speaking, that's how much you're supposed to love the Lord. That's not what he's talking about. That's not what he's talking about. He means it. When you're in a situation where your family is opposed to Jesus Christ, when they're opposed to goodness, when they're opposed to cleanness, when they're opposed to confession of sin, when they're opposed to openness and honesty and humility and chastity and, and, and sensibility. Then you don't have any business having anything to do with them. I do. I hate you. I hate everything about my family. They're evil. Their whole essence is satanic. They continue to justify themselves in different ways. You know, my brother Chris will come here and he'll act like he's a, he's a, he's a, a new man, all considerate and thoughtful. But he doesn't love the Lord. He's just, he's just a little bit more nervous that I might be right. And so all the family members are on a scale of nervousness. Some of them are just like, to hell with him. Who cares what he has to say? And some of them are like, well, like my brother Julian said. I agree with 99% of what you're saying. But, but do you have to be so mean about it? That's what you said, Julian. 99%? If you agree with 99% of what, what I'm saying, why don't you keep the Sabbath? Why haven't you put your sin away? If you agree with me. Why don't we hear from you? Why aren't you telling us what's going on in your life? Because you don't agree. You know that you can't find fault with. You know that you can't criticize. You know that you can't gainsay. You know you can't defeat what we have to say. So you're forced to agree with it with your mouth. But in your heart, you're our mortal enemy. You'd kill us if you had the chance. You'd stone us to death with, with, without uh, a thought. Along with your evil wife. And my brother Chris, 
again, has to agree with a lot of the things I'm saying. But he just shakes his head. Who can hear these things? Walks away. Doesn't want to get honest. Doesn't want to get right. Doesn't want to admit that we have the truth. Even though he knows damn well that that's true. Same thing with my mother and father. You know, I told my father, you're the rich man. You just don't want to let go of what you have. Well, I could say the same about you. Really? I lost everything. I got married. I lost every friend, every family member. The only people we had left were my in-laws down the street. Other than that, we took not a single friend or, or relationship of any significance from before we got married to after. Didn't have anything to lose. We were losers. You guys had it all. And because you wouldn't listen, now we have this. You can't hide forever. Now there's exposure. You don't care about the truth. And now the truth has hunted you down. And there's a flashlight shining for everyone to see. And it's fine. Um, it's, it, everyone will have a different reaction to seeing this. And their reaction will betray their heart. You'll be held accountable for how you react to this. It's easy to see how you could see it this way or that way. There's lots of different ways you can see what's happening here. Lots of accusations you can make. And, and, and lots of people will be liberated by what I'm saying. Lots of people are bound in exactly the situation I'm talking about. I was talking to a friend the other day. Same thing. You're sitting there like, well... So do I, what do I do? Do I just never talk to my parents again? Do I, they're, they're my family. The answer is yes. Don't waste your time. If it's clear that your parents, your family, doesn't have an interest in doing the right thing, let, let that be the litmus test for everybody listening here. If you try to do the right thing and somebody treats you with contempt, not just you because of some past issues, but if they treat doing the right thing with contempt, if they mock you for it, if they try to stand in your way and stop you from doing the right thing, those people are Satan. If you tell your parents, I, I'm, I, I just want to eat organic food and, and I'm going to feed my kids organic food, and they mock you for it, that relationship that you're in is going nowhere. Nowhere. The only thing that those people will do is try to stop you from entering the kingdom. They're your mortal enemies. They're parasites. You keep them with you because you think they're part of, the, part, part of your life. They're part of your life like parasites are part of your life. They'll suck and they'll suck and they'll suck and they'll take possession of your whole body. So I, I, I did want to share that Coming to this place where I can just be free and say, I'm finished. It has been evil. It has been dark. And I won't have any more of it. It's, it's oddly being, see, seeing it for what it was and actually taking offense to it. And reacting and just being like, 
hell no, no more, no more hell. Getting to that place, it's been very difficult. It's been against my nature. It's been against the way that I was programmed as a child. It's taken, it's taken help from, from my wife and my friends to just be like, no, that, that was wrong what happened. It wasn't good. It was evil. It wasn't excusable. It wasn't understandable. It was darkness and selfishness and enmity. That hasn't been easy to do. It, I, I don't think I've been the one doing it. It just happened all of a sudden. And over something so silly as a box of Lego. But it just finally dawned on me. That these just aren't people who are... I knew that they weren't warm, fuzzy people. But I just didn't realize how self-centered my family was. How covetous and yeah, I mean, maybe I don't need exactly the right word, but they're, they, it's all about having as much pleasure for themselves as possible. Having it all right now. And it doesn't matter who gets in the way. And you don't do anything nice for anybody else, right? If, you're, if your brother has a rough time, your brother and your sister-in-law have twins, and then the twins get separated, and one goes in a helicopter up to, a, up to a, another hospital, and so I'm divided from my own wife right after childbirth, and the twins are separated, you know? My family, they're not the kind of people that call and see how you're doing. You know, and my parents may have had a short communication, uh, an instance, yeah, oh, how's it doing? Yeah, oh, great, yeah, you had a baby, fine. But do you think there was any follow-up, any interest after that, anything else? There wasn't anything. I called each and every one of my siblings and rebuked them for their selfishness. They made excuses. They made excuses, they justified, they argued. Not a single one of them had anything remotely close to a sorry. So while my parents may have fulfilled a technical obligation, they raised a whole pack of children to be just like them, and none of them called. And I'm not saying that because I care anymore or because there's some great bitterness on my part, but it is an undeniable demonstration of how selfish. And, and, and it, it wasn't... It, before you excuse anything, it wasn't because of bad relations. Every time they had a, a, a birthday or an anniversary or a child, uh, Jeannie and I were, were making quilts and we were knitting them booties and sweaters and, and making cards and sending gifts. It wasn't like we were just separated people and they failed to call us. We were trying on every cylinder to connect with them and to, to be considerate and thoughtful of them. And so it, they didn't even have a, a, a guilty thought in their head. They just didn't give a damn. And none of you have changed. It's all the same. 
And that's how my parent raised up a brood of children. It wasn't just that one of them, you know, there's always the bad apple. All of them, including Lorian, didn't call, didn't care, didn't think about anybody but themselves and their own lives. And that's the truth about what's happening here. Because I'm sure everybody else in the family, they have their ideas, and I'm sure I, I joined a cult, or I'm weird, or I'm bitter, or, you know, just had a bad experience in Coldale. Everybody will have their rationalizations, but I'm, I'm putting it on record here. We don't have a, an ended relationship. It, it isn't Victor's fault. It isn't this new set of kooky beliefs I have and, and the cult won't let me talk to my family. It's nothing like that at all. The relationship had been butchered and murdered by selfishness long before the Lord finally came and, and freed me. And, and truly, I'm so thankful that the Lord set it all up this way because otherwise <laughs> it would have been even more difficult to sever myself from people who have no use for the Lord Jesus Christ. If they were all sweet and kind and I had all kinds of uh, nostalgic memories of warm moments and family gatherings, well then if they oppose the Lord, I might still have a hard time letting them go. But, but uh, my family meant it for evil and the Lord meant it for good. This isn't a complaint. It's not bitterness. It's, it's just a very needed exposure for people who have been hiding their evil for long enough. And, and it's so that others who are in this position, torn between their heavenly father and their earthly father, can, can, they can know that you can just speak the truth. Just talk about it. Expose it. You can even tell other people. You know, they, everybody thinks they have to have family secrets. And I'm thinking, when, when, when I realized, when I thought, I, I, I said to Victor, I said, you know what? I don't think anybody has ever laid their sins before them. I don't think anybody's ever confronted them. Maybe in small little ways here and there. But nobody's ever confronted you people. Nobody's ever confronted the fact that my, my mother is just pathologically vain just irrationally and pathologically vain. She can't step a foot in public without doctoring herself up, painting on her face and stretching on her clothes. It's all just about Princess Bonita and everything operates on her time. Total selfishness. And she's supposed to be some kind of godly woman that children or a church can look up to? I mean, these, these people are... are, are they're devils. They're, they're, they're my, my father leading congregations. I, I remember at our wedding rehearsal. I didn't even want to invite my parents to my wedding. They said I couldn't marry Jeannie. I did anyway. Um, I'm so thankful I did. Uh, so I didn't want to invite them. But my mother-in-law and my father-in-law thought, well, maybe that would be a regrettable mistake. And so... You know, they were good to us, so we honored them and invited my parents. That's essentially what happened. Otherwise, I wouldn't even have wanted them at my wedding. And that was long before I became a believer. Um, and uh, 
losing my train of thought here. But anyway, yes, yeah, so my father shows up, not just to the wedding, but shows up to the rehearsal, completely uninvited. And, uh, and he shows up in the room, and it was at this, there was a bunch of people from the church in Coldale there, and some other friends and family, and then my relatives. And so my father shows up uninvited to the rehearsal and just struts into the aisle, comes down, and, and, and all of these people, and I'm telling you, my wedding was a hellish day. All these people, they started giving him a spontaneous round of applause. They're just clapping for my father coming in the room. And my father's just soaking it in, no problem, just showing up and making himself the center of attention at a wedding rehearsal that he wasn't invited to for a son who he had a strained relationship with. And just, just no problem. We're here, and we're right, and we're important. Everybody clap. You, you saw your children, you saw me as somebody to be defeated, somebody to dominate, somebody to control, somebody to manipulate. You never saw me as a child that you should have been instructing and loving and nurturing. You just didn't see it that way. You were too selfish. And then you wonder why the cancer and the hardship and the disease. You wonder why? Because God hates you and your wickedness. You are so dead set against him. So dead set against him. If I fell back to every sin and vice and, and, and perished, but returned to your darkened church in my miserable state, you'd rejoice. You would feast on my destruction. Wouldn't bother you a bit. And that's how I know you don't care. It's so perfectly evident. And I, I feel so foolish for not seeing it sooner. Um, not that it was meant to be, so I'm, I'm not complaining or, or bemoaning. But it's still so perfectly clear to me now. That when you choose your Heavenly Father, you have to leave everything else behind. Everything that isn't in line with Him. Everything that doesn't support Him. Everything that doesn't praise Him and worship Him. It all has to go. And that includes family. Especially, especially when they don't, when they don't uh, support the wonderful thing the Lord is doing in your life when they don't support new healthy convictions, they don't support the birth of your conscience, if they're not rejoicing that in spite of their own delinquency, something good has happened for you, if they can't see wholesomeness and goodness in your life, I, I, I know for a fact that my, my in-laws, of course they had their reservations, they had their, their nervousness, because it was a very new thing and it was quite frightening, and understandably so. But I know that they have come to appreciate what the Lord has done for us. Because they're not a bunch of proud Pharisees strutting about looking for attention and praise from men. They actually had some love for their children. Enough love to be glad when others could help fill in the shortcomings 
others could fill in to teach and instruct where they maybe missed something. And uh, I'm, I'm so thankful for that. But um, and, and, and mostly, I'm glad for them because they can be blessed by it. But it's, it's, it's not commonplace for that to happen. Um, so if you're, in, if you're in this position, and if, even if you're a parent, take a look at the way that you behave with your children. Do you, do you value your, your own image in the community more than the well-being of your own child? It's so often the case. It's just so perfectly clear to see now. You know, when the Lord says your foes will be of your own household, it's not just sometimes. It's basically all the time. Look out. When you start turning away from your own flesh, your family will take offense because they are the flesh you're turning away from. And it's, it's, it's time for the, those that are called, the elect, those the Lord is, is drawing out of the world. It's time for them to just, I don't know how to put it, because it's, it, it's not a cut and dried, here's your new law, here's what you can do kind of thing. But if your family hates the Lord, I would start making plans to get out of there. Because it, it, it just won't go well lingering around and hanging on to that kind of stuff. It just isn't going to go well. And it's different. Look, if you're in your home and you're 17 years old and your parents still have authority over you, then yeah, it's not as easy. It's not as cut and dried to sort through these things. But ultimately, uh, it will be made clear for you. I mean, it, it took me well into my 30s to, to realize um, these things now. And so there is a process, but a lot of times it's just a, a, a family member. I've talked to customers about that, a family member, and they're, they're toxic, they're evil. And, and they resist and they harm, you have no obligation to them. You're, you're freed from those obligations when you're taken out of that family and grafted into a new family. When you're grafted into the Lord's family, honoring your, your father means honoring the Lord. It was only when you were in, it's like, you honoring your mother and father, it's like honor your current mother and father. And you're growing up and you're in the home, well, then I guess your current mother and father is your mother and father. But when the Lord calls you out of there and grafts you into a new family, those, that's not your mother and father anymore. It doesn't mean you have to treat them poorly, but you're not supposed to treat anybody poorly. But do you have to go to a church service with them do you have to pray with them? Uh, you know, do you have to participate in their religiosity or their darkness? Or say they're, they're atheist or secular? Do you have to take part in their birthday parties because they're asking you to? No. No, you absolutely do not. 
you're freed from those worldly obligations when you enter into the kingdom of heaven and, and you're a subject of that kingdom, not the worldly kingdom where your earthly father rules, but the heavenly kingdom where your heavenly father rules. And uh, it's a wonderful thing to be given a good father, to be received by a good father. That's such a wonderful thing. And I'm, I'm very thankful for it. <laughs>